And welcome, Rugby Rant fans. It's the big guy, Scott Ferrara. That's Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. It's episode 64 of the Rugby Rant. We are live. It's draft day, baby. Woo! Very excited. The big guy's super excited. Um, if you don't know, you know, you guys can call me, you know, Mel Kuyper Jr. Jr. or Adam <laughs> Schiff Jr. with all the information we're uh, we're going with. Um, but, hey, Hammer, it's draft day. It's a day we've been waiting for for a little while. What's up? Uh, not much. Yeah, we've been waiting on it. We've been very excited. I've been digging through some draft data, trying to look at a lot of highlight films from, from some college guys out there. I mean, anybody who follows college rugby knows that um, it's it's been a pretty tough season for college rugby. I mean, of course, they fit in the sevens down there in NOLA with the uh, uh, with the um, NS, is it uh, the NCES? Is it the NSCRO? Yeah, NSCRO. Yeah, NSCRO. Well, it's now NCR, right? National College Rugby. Correct. And, um, you know, there wasn't a 15th um, – national championship uh, only some of the teams got in some especially in the midwest and in the deep south got in some rugby and 15s rugby that is and so it's been pretty tough for some of these guys to get a look particularly those guys out in california you know there were guys cal guys st mary's guys central washington came into the midwest and played Lindenwood. so um it's been a little spotty hit or miss uh, hopefully um we'll fill in those gaps familiarize all the fans out there with some of the the draftees that are out there and, and, and what they might add to uh, an MLR roster. Absolutely. Shout out to our buddy, Lerone White, giving us some love there in the comments. Um, so before we get. Um, Dude, he's, he's a freaking Austin Rhino, man. Love, yeah. Love me some Romy. Love, love Lerone. Uh, before we get into it real quick, let's talk about rugby coffee. Listen, we have to pay the bills here and rugby coffee is is in my opinion is one of the best coffees around not only are they a sponsor of ours i think we talked about it on the last couple episodes i went and i bought some because that's how much i believe not only in their coffee because it's delicious but their message um 10 of their uh profits go to youth rugby in canada and the united states um you know they are living what we try and strive to do here at the rugby ramp by growing uh, one fan at a time, and they're doing it through youth rugby. And it, it's an amazing thing. So please check out rugbycoffee.com and check out the Crad Favorite, their North American blend. And I know Rob is a Joy Joy fan, which is a French roast, a, a darker, a heavier um, um, uh, taste. Uh, I mean, he talks about Joy Joy all the time. Me and him kind of fight between the two. Um, and actually now they're partnered with the Toronto Arrows. Get your crowd Favorite Toronto Arrows branded coffee right now. I know they have a limited quantity. Because I'm sure Doug Wilkie and Karen Gasparino bought a lot of it, so make sure you get some of that. Anyway, um, before we before we talk about the draft itself, um, let's talk a little bit about the rugby showcase. The big guy got to go to the rugby showcase in uh, Connecticut this year in uh, um, in uh, Westport, and uh, it was put on by uh, HPMG Group, High Performance Management Group, and our buddy Mikey Brown was running the entire thing. Um, we're gonna have Mikey Brown on in a couple couple minutes. Um, but real quick, let's just take a look at what the Rugby Showcase showed us. This is a great opportunity, gentlemen. Life is all about a couple opportunities you get in your life. Good luck to everybody. What's up, brother? Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Scott. Hey, thanks. hey Rob. Great to be here. Term Mikey Brown, what's up, brother? <laughs> hey, no, excited. It's draft day. I'm really excited for all these guys. 
Absolutely. I'm super excited too, man. It's it's one of those things where I get that feeling on draft day, like I get at the NFL draft and I can't wait. And it's it's one of those things that I think international fans might not understand, but it, because it's uniquely American at, at this point. But it's it's an event. It's something we we love to talk about. It's something we love to break down months after it happens. But one of the big things that happened before that that happened before the draft is the rugby showcase. Um, for those of you that don't know, it was a combine put on uh, um, uh, in conjunction with HPMG Group. Um, Mikey Brown was running the entire thing. Um, although some of his uh, his uh, Choices on personnel were questionable because Chris Mateen is probably the worst referee I've ever seen. Uh, Anthony Parry just kind of ran around a little bit. But other than that, everybody else was, was strictly professional, including Fodes. Um, you can go check out the piece on TRN. But, Mike, break down a little bit about what the showcase was this year. Yeah, so we had about 70 athletes. Uh, you know, over two-thirds were draft declared. Uh, and are in this draft, and it was pretty much a day to you know showcase their talents. You know, a lot of these guys don't have good film, uh, especially during a COVID year per se. And uh, they actually have you know real life scouts an opportunity you know to actually showcase their talents. So in the beginning part of the morning, we did all the physical testing, uh, four drills, and then we did also the second half of the morning we did positional skills. So we got into the lineout scrums and the backs of their kicking and their the nines of their passing and we did that for the morning and then the afternoon uh we actually had a 10 v 10 scrimmages rolling so at least all guys got you know three matches 30 minutes of actual you know ball and play in front of you know right on the 50 yard line you know six teams were out there so um it was really exciting times and incredible feedback uh, really excited about the future of this event so, Mikey, let me just talk a little bit about that. We're going to be, for those fans at home that are watching, paying attention, and they're going to be getting ready for the draft, and they're kind of paying attention to us, we're bringing on a super special guest in addition to Mikey Brown. I mean, he's a super special guest. And then we've got super special guest number two coming on, J.D. Stevenson. And, um, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to talk to him because he has a pretty good handle on a lot of these college players. But you hit the, the, the nail on the head, right? A lot of these guys don't have great film. Um, it gives them an opportunity to display their wares live and in person to general managers and coaches. Um, I'm interested in, in finding out what aspects of the day did you find coaches and GMs as you debrief with them that they got a lot of value in? Mm, I think uh, once we, you know, split it up uh, into the positional skills, uh, actually see them scrum, see the hookers throw, see the nines kick. Um you know, I think that's provided a lot of value to them, you know, especially because you're going against someone else they could be potentially drafting too. Um, I know, you know, a lot of that stuff is cohesion and that's why we sort of, you know, limited that stuff in the scrimmages to keep, you know, make sure the ball was in play. And they found that very useful as well, uh, especially in tens. They thought um, that actually showed a lot of the guys fitness uh, going into it. And uh, so I think, you know, uh, the positional skills showed a lot of value into it. And, uh, you know, there was a huge amount of great feedback from the teams, actually. And the teams that, you know, didn't show up for whatever reason um, have already hit me up, a lot of them, about, you know, let me show up to next year. Um, <laughs> this is a great event. So um, I think, you know, it provides huge value for these guys. A lot of these teams, uh, let's say, you know, your beloved New Orleans, Ryan Fitzgerald, you know, he he's a scout at heart. He loves it. Uh, but, you know, he would personally, you know, fly in these guys, you know, by themselves and show it. Uh, for these teams, it sort of, you know, saves them a lot of time for especially the initial interview to actually see them in person and sort of evaluate them uh, going forward. And not to give out any of the Fitzy secrets, but in speaking <laughs> to him at the showcase, uh, he went the night before and did his interviews. Uh, he found out where players were staying and interviewed them. And I think that's a little more um, a little more comfortable for some of these guys to have like a private chat 
uh, with some of these guys. Um, you know, because it's kind of tough. You want to chat in front of the group and then, you know, who's trying to get in on you. It's almost like a, a bachelor bachelorette situation sometimes at these, uh, these things. But I got to be honest, I think Mike's right. The last half of the day when they were running these 10 on 10 uh, scrimmages, it was friggin' hot. The big guy, the big guy was dying. Um, the sun was out from 8 a.m. Uh, till he left at, at four. Um, it was probably 98 degrees the entire time, not a cloud in sight. And that's where you're going to see these guys' fitness and kind of test their metal a little bit about who's chasing, you know, guys who who you know chasing down a play. You know, who's kind of quitting on stuff. And you're getting, I think, a little bit more than just the metrics. But to talk about the metrics too, you know, um, the the jump and the vertical leap and the uh, 40 meter uh, dash. You know, laser. Um, using the lasers to, to get the numbers. And, you know, that's something that every professional league uses and something that I feel like this was a big win for the MLR and this rugby showcase. And, um, you know, it's, it shows that we're, we can compete with the big boys on this level to act, to give access to players to this stuff. So Mike, can you give us a couple names you thought really excelled at, at the, uh, at the showcase? Ah, uh, yeah. You know, uh, all the Linwood boys that were, you know, are going to be top, I think top picks are going to, you know, they really performed to Connor Burns, uh, actually, Georgia Sullivan played really uh, Kale, uh, Jonah. Uh, I think those guys, you know, are going to be selected pretty high. Um, you know, also just a little backboard. I think it was very valuable for the players and the teams. Like you said, afterwards, they actually got to talk. Players, you know, don't really have the access to actually talk to these guys. They were all, you know, Scott, you were there, very accessible, willing to talk, wanting to talk to these guys. So the players had huge value in that. Um, another great player, I think, is Sam Kowalski from uh, Notre Dame College. You know, he put up the bench press, I think, He's going to, you know, be top. Uh, Caleb Shroom, uh, I think he's a great, you know, he didn't have any uh, actual real film per se with the University of Alabama. Uh, I expect him to actually go high uh, this year. Uh, really, he played really well in the club sevens too uh, last weekend as well for Nova. Um, and then also um, off there, Decor Davis. Uh, no one really knew about him out of Queen University. So there's a lot yeah. of times they're rough. Um, you know, and we're really, we're really, I'm really excited about all these, you know, I'm emotionally invested because I try to, you know, I was the one talking to the players, Hey, this is a great event. And uh, I want as many players, you know, to be drafted as possible from the showcase. So Mike, I want to, I want to touch upon two things. One, Mike, I want to know, did the showcase feature the highlight event of the evening, which was a 100 meter sprint between the big guy and Fodes? Cause that was supposed to happen. That's what fans were promised. And um, I'm not sure that they got what their money was supposed to be. Listen, I'll, I'll answer that one. It didn't fucking happen at all. <laughs> um, I showed up in flip-flops for a reason. Um, but I, I believe Fodes at age 36, I think, uh, ran a 4.840 meter, which is pretty quick for a dude who just showed up and ran it in, like, jeans. You know, I mean, he didn't really have, like, equipment. I mean, he was wearing a showcase, you know, top – but like, I'm pretty sure he was wearing skinny jeans and ran a four eight. So that's that's pretty good. Um, well, it's like Mike, the Rich Eisen, right? It's the Rich yeah, Eisen of, like, you know, of just running the combine. So that's all you know. It's part of the show as well. That's what we got to yeah. make it as a show yeah. as well. And and Mikey, we're gonna see uh, the big guy in skinny jeans next year, from what I understand. <laughs> so yeah. so the the other real point that I want to make and draw into here is um, I, I want to touch upon what the big guy just mentioned regarding NOLA, and we'll get some more insight from this when we bring J.D. in here in a, uh, in a bit. He is on standby, ready to go, chomping at the bit to join us. But, um, you know, he's down there with NOLA. We'll fill uh, fans in on, on his role. Um, but everybody's got to remember where Fitz comes from, the GM from NOLA. And, 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 you know, for those of you guys who don't know, um, 
I'm pre- it's pretty close to the bone for me. He comes from the NFL side of things, so I think he takes a little different approach, maybe perhaps, I don't want to say more professional approach, but a more polished approach, shall we say, um, you know, it's, with such a young league as to how he conducts uh, his business insofar as the draft. And Scott mentioned that he went in the night before, got an opportunity to have private interviews. I think there's a lot of value in that for coaches and GMs because you get – a little bit of an insight as to the mind of that player, what they think about, what drives them, what motivates them, you know, how they might fit in with the team. And for teams that really buy into chemistry like NOLA does, um, I think it's important for a GM to get an idea of how a player might fit when they come down and join the team, you know, either for some preseason training or, you know, when the uh, team meets full on. Um, Mikey, can you elaborate? Is there a plan you know, not only to do more with that piece perhaps next year, but might we see uh, this rugby showcase take it to another level? Yeah, of course we want to take it to another level. Um, there's a lot, you know, just, just based on model, do we t- do a multi-day event? You know, do we have testing a one day and then, you know, games and, you know, positional skills another day? Uh, that was a feedback from the players. Maybe, you know, it was too much time on their feet. Um, but that's something we, we could go forward. Uh, is it multi-site location or is it one-site location? Uh, that's something also that we're trying to, you know, move forward to this. You know, it had huge success. Um, the Rugby Pass put it up on their YouTube page. That over that has over 22,000 views of our event on there. So that, you know, it's very well watched. And there's a lot of interest of these, you know, American talent. Uh, and we really can, you know, change the way, you know, rugby sort of, you know, going forward. Uh, but I think especially in the second and third rounds, you'll see, uh, like what sort of what Rob said, getting to know the player, I think the teams that show, showed up, I think it will be a strong correlation in their second, third round picks of people, you know, showcase attendees and actual, you know, teams who showed up because they actually know the player. And because of the lack of quality of film, um, it's really tough to separate, you know, guy, you know, the 10th ranked guy from the, you know, 40th ranked guy in this draft right now. Yeah. So actually knowing the player. Um, and then also, you know, I think you'll see a lot of these guys who don't get selected, especially from the showcase, get into the 404s, get into, you know, Nola's Academy, Rooney's Academy, Free Jack. I think the guys that, you know, were there, Austin's Academy, I think you'll see a lot of correlation in there with the club game, bringing those guys in because they had those conversations like, all right, we know this guy. Um, he's a good player. He was a, you know, he's a good young kid. He has a, you know, great attitude. We know, we know we can invest in him. Um, I think you'll see a lot of correlation. I think, you know, once, once I think, uh, with this round, you'll see a couple, or with this draft, you'll see a couple guys like the Caleb's and the decor Davises that you don't know about. Um, I think players will realize, Hey, this is my shot. I can actually, you know, teams will actually pick me there and teams will, will come back and all the teams will say, Hey, there's actually talent here. I, you know, right here in one location, this is a huge value for us. So, um, I'm really excited about the draft. Absolutely. We're excited too, Mike. Thank First of all, thank you so much for letting me come and, and be a part of the showcase. Hopefully I'll be back next year. It was a great experience. I mean, to, again, to see it, it was professional. It's what was needed. It's something that helped out the MLR in a, in a time where the MLR couldn't do it because of the championship and the draft. Um, so it was good to see. Thank you so much again for coming on our show, Mike. We appreciate it. And, Mike, if, sure. if you bring the show to the Midwest, you know who the man to call is, my friend. <laughs> I do. I do. The hammer. You and uh, before, before we get to JD, we have a little video from some of the draftees last year. So check out some of the draftees that uh, we've interviewed before about their experience with the draft. Yeah, so 
one thing that comes to mind that I would uh, change from last year's draft would be actually prior to the draft, and that's uh, the film that I gave out to the scouts or gave to the GMs prior to it. Uh, I spent a lot of time on it, and I'm happy with what I put out, and I worked on it myself. But I think if I were to do it over again, I would kind of pay somebody to do it, to, uh, make it as, as presentable as possible, because that at the end of the day, that's what, in America for rugby, that's how you're presenting yourself, right? Because it's not a nationally broadcast sport. You're not on ESPN every Saturday. So it's something that, besides seeing you in person, this is the best way to judge a player. And in those highlights, it's not all about the big plays. It's not always about the big runs or, uh, like, it's not, it's not every play is a big run, right? It's all about the dirty work because when you come, when you take a step up, you're not going to be making those line breaks as much. It's going to be about if you're, if you're hitting rucks properly, if you're making tackles properly. It's all about the small things, and that's what scouts are looking for, and that's what people have to put in. And if you can pass, stuff like that. So. And that was, yeah, that was friend of the show, Andrew Guerra, rookie of the year for the 2021 season. Uh, Rob, let's introduce our next guest here, baby. A hundred percent. So, you know, I, I want to touch upon and, and bring a segue from what uh, uh, rookie of the year, Andrew Guerra was talking about into introducing our next guest. Andrew talked a lot about game film and he talked about the things that um, you could, you should showcase in your game film when you send it out uh, to, to scouts, to GMs, to coaches. And there's a guy right here, Mr. J.D. Stevenson. He is the executive vice president of player operations for the NOLA Gold. This, there is a coach in the United States that knows one hell of a lot about game film, breaking down tape, giving access to players, helping them improve their play through video and data analysis. It's Mr. J.D. Stevenson. J.D., we thank you so much for joining us on this very special day for the league. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, Hammer. Thanks, big guy. Appreciate it. It's, uh, it's good to be here, fellas. Well, we know you're a busy man because I've seen your breakdown film. You must stay up till like 4 a.m. drinking uh, Pepsi One or is it Coke One? Which one is it? I forgot. Coke, Coke Zero. No, no, it's Coke, Coke Zero. zero. Hold on. Thanks to the plug. Thanks to the plug, you drink Coke Zero, but Fitzy drinks Mountain Dew. How does that even correlate? <laughs> it, it doesn't. It doesn't. So, uh, and and to be fair, I'll give a plug to Fitz. He's he's fortunate enough. He's got a great relationship with the boys. That uh, on a Monday morning, you'll find a bag just sitting out the front of his door, and it's full with uh, full with Mountain Dew and 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 other. Uh, but he he will tell you though too. He did have to take about a month off. Um, of uh, you know, there was a bit of a bit of abuse that that happened towards Mountain Dew. So he's, uh, oh, yeah, oh. he's taking a bit of a hiatus. But I think for the draft piece, though, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he must have shares in PepsiCo or something because, you know, yeah, I I talked to him last week, and my man, well, he came on, and and for fans at home, we'll see some snippets from my conversation with him a little bit later, but but I couldn't decide if I if I didn't know better, I would have thought he was on a three day bender, but he wasn't. He was preparing for the draft. My man was still unshaven, his eyes were sagging. I mean, he looked like like he was at the end of his of his Mountain Dew crash, and he was like, "Hammer, just get me through this interview and let me go home." <laughs> I can't. I can't. I mean, because we we talked about before, Fitzy comes from the NFL, um, and you know this this process in the NFL is a huge deal. Again, for our international folks, you know this is how 
in other sports, there you know kids from the collegiate side are identified. And if you go back to baseball and and hockey in college sports, players are drafted as freshmen. They then continue and they play to their junior or senior year, and then are expected to sign a contract with the team, which, which I find amazing. We aren't doing that. Uh, we're doing the NFL style, where you either uh, have completed your junior year or have at least three years in college, um, which I think makes a little more sense. Um, you know, rugby is a physical game; it's a game of, of attrition. And let's be honest, uh, I don't think an incoming freshman is going to really tackle a guy who just played five years in the premiership, right? So I could see the correlation more between the NFL draft and the MLR draft. But um so JD as as you know in your area for for and not to go into details about Nola Golden's picks and all that right now. Um we're gonna wait for the coverage to start and talk about that later. But just in general, like in in this season with COVID and things like, you know, New York in the Northeast not even being able to play rugby, you know, um, a lot of a lot of schools not being able to support testing and, and things like that, you know, to, to have a season. Did you find it uh, like a smaller, harder player pool to pick from this year? Yeah, I think you've got to rely on on um, a lot of your early reports. And I think the other piece is that, and you guys know this all too well, is the rugby community in America is quite small. So, <laughs> you, know, the, the, you know, a phone call to some people actually carries a lot of weight and really putting players, you know, on the radar for us to be considering. Um, I will say though, from a you know from a footage standpoint, and for for any prospective players, and and Guerra nailed it, is that look that the only way for us to to really be able to identify and and then more importantly do the development piece is through quality footage. Um, so any time that you're able to actually put your best foot forward, I mean, if mum and dad are at your game, can can mum or dad film the match for you and and take a little bit of time to have it elevated and and. You know, there's just some simple kind of cheap hacks you can do, but it really does mean the world because, look, at the end of the day, um, once that match is finished and we get a nice match report and say, you know, Billy's played an awesome game, well, it get washed away by the next weekend. So, you know, the footage, as we say, doesn't lie. And, and obviously some of the, the analysis in which we, uh, you know, the detail in which we've used it at the national team level and, and we apply it to MLR, um, it, it really unearths some players that, that to be fair, fly under the radar and, and, or, you know, kind of conversely, they can be weighted in a way that might be, you know, beneficial for Nola, but necessarily, you know, don't fit the way that Marty wants to play a ring. Yeah. I, I want to touch upon um, a couple of things that we brought in that we danced around for a moment. It all centers around Gareth's comments and you alluded to those JD, you know, he talks about the critical, um, criticalness of bringing in quality game footage. And here's what I noticed. And you tell me if I missed something, if I got something wrong, JD, because you have a far stronger eye for this than I do. What I noticed is that a lot of guys focus on their running ability with ball in hand, right? But what I noticed they lacked is a lot of the other things that Gara referred to, some of the dirty work, right? I thought some of the better game film that I saw for me was players that would illustrate, okay, here's 30 seconds of a few quality runs. Here's 30 seconds of some of my best tackles, right? Here's 30 seconds to my really quality passing for my vision to spring other guys loose to score or to put people in space. You know, for your skill players like fly halves and fullbacks, perhaps even some centers, some 12s, you know, here's some kicks that I made with ball in hand. Um, and then even for your loose forwards, your jackaling ability, right? And so I think for me, if I was going to suggest to a player, put together obviously some runs, put together some passing, put together, you know, some um, – some some defensive ability and then look to 
positional specific play to the position you want to emphasize, right? Whether it's in lineouts for locks, props, you know, you're going for your scrummaging techniques, uh, hooks, throwing in the ball. Um, what were your thoughts uh, on some of the film that you watched as 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 uh, some of these draftees submitted it? Yeah, you nailed it, Hammer. I mean, it, it's twofold, right? Like it's it's the core, you know, the modern game, and it is a modern game, right? That we're asking props, we're asking, um, you know, one through fifteen now to have a core skill set that can run pass, and for the most, even back rollers now kick. Um, so because of that, we need to see that you have the capacity and and that that core skill set. So and look, you know, it doesn't need to be, hey, here's me in a backyard passing, you know, left and right <laughs> or, or things like that, right? The reality is, though, um, that that you're able to position it in a way that 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 person again, I use the Nola and the Rooney piece. If if Marty wants to play a high tempo, high ball and play, there's going to be you know running, passing. So he's going to look for a multi-skilled, say, type five player. Uh, you know, whereas a team that's heavily reliant upon a set piece, well, look, we're just going to prioritize their scrummaging ability and what have you. So you do want to cater to both situations there. Um, what I will say, though, is that, look, people that ball carry, you know, after about three or four carries, we're, we can actually work out if you've seen the space, what are your feet, what's right. your body profile like at the point of contact, three or four things for most things we can we can tick the box, guys. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, the actual quality of the footage, the other piece is, is don't overplay your hand in positions because the reality is we're going to ask for a follow-up of a full match film. Um, you asked what are the other things, the intangible pieces, second effort. You look, I mean, you know, they say you touch the ball for 8% of the game. The other 92% is what you do off the ball. So what's your second effort? How do you position yourself? What are your comms like? Um, those type of intangible pieces that really do lead to successful players. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about in uh, the, the intangibles. Here's an intangible that, you know, maybe a lot of newer fans don't understand, but people like me and Rob, you know, being – kind of insiders understand uh, visa issues. We're going to have players in this draft that will hit the foreign designation as a player if they're drafted. So can you elaborate on maybe some of the visa issues? Again, not going into detail, but just overall things. And maybe, you know, when you're looking at guys who might not be USA eligible at this point, you know, what's the upside and downside of drafting them? Yeah. So the, it's, it's a real interesting one, right? Like, so, Regulation 8 per World Rugby is what governs um, essentially nationality or, or the naturalization process of players. So when we're looking, you know, uh, an international player, let's use a, a player that's playing, I won't name names, but playing collegiate rugby. If they don't fit the, the third designation, which is through residency to be classified as a US player, essentially they're treated the same as an international player. So at some stage, you're going to need to get a visa you're going to use an international cap on there. So I, I do think, and, and you'll potentially see it tonight with players that might be highly rated on people's boards. Um, if everything was, was uh, you know, if everything was the same and you're able to draft whoever you wanted, um, it does really factor into a, to a GM's, um, you know, decision-making. Just on the regulation piece, so in my kind of previous life, obviously the last seven years working with US Air Rugby, um, this was something I worked with the league was actually the designation of, uh, domestic and international. So there's three ways you can be US qualified, um, which is, you know, you're born in the US yourself. You have a parent or grandparent that's born in the US. And then lastly is through residency. So residency used to be 36 months consistently prior to 
being designated as an international player. So three years. In that three years, you were able to take about two months off, be out of the country for various reasons. But the big thing here is, is that are you working towards establishing a residency? So I do you have a, uh, you know, are you paying rent? You know, do you pay taxes? Do you have a, a revenue stream? So where the big rub is with collegiate players and, and through our discussions with World Rugby is that if they're reliant upon mum and dad potentially putting money into their account to pay off, they might have a scholarship, but pay off the remainder, they're not actually self-reliant. So they're, they're not establishing residency themselves. So they actually see that as, as a, a time away from their natural country. Let's say they're an Englishman, you know, from uh, away from England. So you might see that, you know, the reality is that what, what you could see is that a, a team may potentially, and, and um, you know, there is the option to it, but um, I know the league kind of frowns upon it, but that once a, an F1 visa is the student visa that's given to an international um, athlete, once they finish, they actually have a year uh, as this optional practical training. So it's a year to find a job, experience the US yeah. work. That in theory, they could leverage that. But look, the reality is that international players will be then, they should be transitioning to an O1 or a P1 visa. You know, that's a 5K hit for a club um, yeah. that might already be cash strapped. So a bit of a long-winded answer, but obviously it is a, it, it's, a, <laughs> it's a pretty big thing. And, and for our, you know, for the, for the viewers, um again why isn't a kid that i know that's that potentially could be in the top 10 why is he being picked gms are factoring this in and, and head coaches into their decision making absolutely and um before we're going to go to rick collins in a little bit who's at the uh dallas jackals uh watch party for the draft but you know real quick bef before we go to that you know we had wesley Y on the show oh man it's almost it's probably been a year now and you know he ran into those exact issues where he was given a car by his father just so he can get around and live life and work in the off season to, a, to, to finish out that F1 visa. You know, he was given uh, money for his birthday. You know, it was a, a birthday gift and they deemed it too much money. And it set back his residency requirement to the five-year mark from, because he was previously under the three-year mark. So, I mean, little things like that. And he, he spoke openly about that on our interview. So it's nothing new, but he's, you know, for new fans, you might not realize that something that little might throw off your residency eligibility. Um, real quick, we're going to take, uh, uh, we're going to listen to a little video from our friends, um, uh, Ryan Fitzgerald and uh, our buddy coach Macy at LU before we hit uh, Rick Collins. So enjoy fellas. So as a coach, uh, we can do a lot to help the players. A lot of it comes down to helping them get materials together, both, you know, on-field resume, off-field resume. Uh, you know, we can, we host their highlights on our team social media to kind of get them out there a little bit. Uh, and then on-field wise, you, you know, our strength coach, Matt Matau, does a really good job kind of meeting with those guys, figuring out what testing if any you know they're worried about and he can help bolster just so they present a little bit better um you know our, our guys are pretty mature and pretty professional by the time they're uh you know graduating so we don't it's not like we have to work on interview skills and things like that um you know but as a coach as well like i just want them to understand what their options are uh the league you know, rightly so, it works really hard to, you know, try to take away agency from the players and, uh, you know, in this process. And I just want the players to understand what choices they have, what options they have as they go into it, um, because the teams, rightly so, are looking out for the teams and, you know, somebody has to be an advocate. 
Yeah, a piece of advice I think is, you know, for the player is obviously yeah, be open-minded about everything. You know, as far as, uh, you know, one of the biggest things right now to making an MLR roster, I think, is versatility. Um, so I think, uh, you know, saying yes to, you know, saying yes to trying any position, being open-minded. You know, a lot of times, you know, players play in college, you play a certain position. Maybe you play eight, but you didn't play six. Maybe you played lock, but now you're playing eight, whatever it is. Or you played wing or you played outside center in uh, college, and now they might give you a shot at wing here and there, whatever it is. Uh, be open-minded, say yes to everything. I said the same thing when I was in the NFL for the NFL draft. Guys looking to make the roster is like, say yes to everything. Special teams, kickoff, punt team. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things. And be a sponge, you know, um, open-minded to learn everything. Uh, and that that's really one of the biggest things that sometimes get lost in the draft is you hear about ability and you hear about speed and this guy's step and everything. But rugby IQ and learning the game and being open-minded to uh, uh, becoming, you know, trying to get better every single day. And we're back, everybody. And joining us is Rick, Rick Collins from the Jackal Den at the Dallas Jackals uh, watch party for the draft. For those of you that don't know Dallas, again, it's deja vu. They have the number one pick. How you doing, buddy? Dude, um, as excited as I was last year, I'm a little more excited since now, of course, we have a mascot, so that makes us official, right? <laughs> I guess so. I mean, Rui doesn't have a mascot. They're official. <laughs> I thought it was a rooster. Not not that? Chicken. <laughs> or, am I not allowed to see that on the show? Last time, and Noel on the 27th when I was down there, I witnessed it personally. <laughs> Benji and the chicken soup doesn't count, but Rick, thank you so much for coming on. And real quick, before we go to Rick, um, if you're not watching, the coverage is on Fox Sports 2 right now. Stacey Pates, Dan Power, and the number one pick from last year, Connor Mooneyham, are breaking it down. Um, we're here with the Rugby Rant. This is the watch along again. I'm the Scott, the big guy, Ferrar. That's Rob the Hammer, Hammerschmidt. J.D. Stevenson, the vice president of player operations at Nola Gold. And Rick Collins from the Jackal Den. So, Rick, how many people you got at the watch party? So we only got about five, six people so far because everybody thought it was starting at six, and then we got the updated time, and I've been trying to push it. But, uh, you know, people got to work. We're not, we're not looking yeah, at it's, the East Coast. It's not, it's not, yeah, it's we gotta, not yet here. Right? They got to afford season tickets, brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, I mean, I lucked I, out that I took I some vacation. Tickets, so I'm ready to go for this year. Uh, front, front row, seats one and two of the uh, – Section 108, or was what they call it Section 8. Of course, those in the military <laughs> are familiar with the military. will be familiar with Section 8. So we're going to be rowdy and proud and crazy, and um, we're excited. Uh, we got a stadium. We got, you know, apparently we're going to have players, is my understanding, already, before the draft even occurs. And uh, the uh, biggest question down here is the head coach. Yeah. So, so Rick, tell us, you know, a lot of uh, shifting in the draft board has happened, um, and I'm interested in just getting your take and perhaps bringing J.D. in here for, for a moment, uh, picking his brain about what Dallas may do. But I think Dallas has, what, five picks. They got the number one pick. They traded uh, – we believe they traded some foreign player spots or maybe some cash, we're not quite sure, uh, a way to get some additional picks in the draft. So what do you think they're going to do with that number one pick? Which direction do you think they're going to go? I actually think, um, you know, last year they went with the, the, you know, extremely athletic, extremely experienced back, right? A guy who could step on the field and play right away. Obviously, we saw it. Mooneyham was legit MLR material, you know, made the Eagles uh, traveling squad, unfortunately, because of injury, couldn't go. But a, 
significant contributor on that Austin team when he was healthy. Um, you looked around the league at all the guys that the Jackals brought in. Um, not a lot of big names, but every single one of them was huge on their team. You saw what uh, Ryan James did. You saw um, in New England. He was uh, he was actually picked as the number eight of the league this season. Um, what I think they'll do is they'll continue to stay with younger. They're going to bring in guys like Conradi, who are not as well known from overseas. But I see them going. I think loose forward. Um, Interesting. From what I've seen uh, from video and talking to Mikey, uh, who you just had on a few minutes ago, um, that it doesn't look like there's that dynamic back, Connor Mooneyham, a guy who's you know, played for 10 years, had a lot of overseas experience that um, I'm, I'm seeing will be a starter right away. There's a couple of loose forwards, though, that I think can come in and play right off the bat. And I think that's the direction that they'll go in the draft. And and real quick, I see JD nodding his head. Is that is that something you think is is the right uh, step, JD, for them? Yeah, look, I I agree with Rick, right? Like, I think that you wanna you wanna offset kind of what Connor brings, um, and something a little bit different. And and I think definitely, you know, in those kind of top one or two positions, um, you've got a you know you've got a, a large dichotomy in terms of how you want to play the game with some of the players there. So I honestly don't think you can you can do much wrong. In terms of where the pick is, um, I'm actually just excited to see you know what Elaine and and, and Co do with it. It it you know it's funny you mentioned you mentioned the dynamics of of some of the backs. I think there were there were a few guys that fit that bill, but you're right. You never there um, I, there wasn't that guy at number ten that's really going to stand out and be able to stay, you know go on the field to play in the MLR from day one. There was a guy I really liked um, that I thought might be able to maybe even by mid season could step in there for 20 to 40 minutes um, after, you know, learning a bit. Uh, and that was Alejandro Torres. And he has a lot of uh, international experience. Um, I don't know whether anybody, and, and I threw, threw it, you know, back and forth, JD and I were going back and forth, but um, he really had the dynamism that, that I would look for if I was going to pick a back um, that, that I wanted to see someplace on the pitch to make, an impact as a young player. Yeah, what do you no, think? I agree, Hammer. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think to, I would probably go a, a little bit of a different point of view if, if I'm in Rick's shoes. And, and um, unfortunately, he, he's no longer in draft, though, would be a, a George Phelan type um, player that gives you a little bit more versatility. Um, I think the, the, look, the reality is if you you know, as a, as a fledging program, you know, you want versatility and, and based on a head coach coming in, you want them to be able to be, um, you know, a bit of a Swiss army knife for you. So, you know, potentially midfielder or potentially outside back option for you. Um, you know, Rick, I, I suppose you'd have a better insight there, mate. I will say um, from the, the backs I saw, there wasn't anybody that, um, like extremely stood out from the video. Um, and I was a little bit disappointed in the video this year. I thought there were some really good, um, I think, longer cuts. Last last year, wrote the draft that really gave you a better idea of what the player was like. You would really have to do a deep dive, you know, contacting the coaches and getting more video to really get an idea of what these players can do. 
But the player that looked the most dynamic to me was uh, Russell Cutting. Uh, I think Colorado State guy um, from Colorado Springs. Does sound right? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that one. But um, extremely talented looking player, uh, physical, um, strong to break down, um, good and loose. And every time he got tackled, it was five, six meters past, uh, minimal past uh, um, the line of scrimmage. That's the kind of player that I think, you know, the Jackals need, um, that they can bring in a Bronson Tellis type player. Um, and a guy who's, who can, uh, he may not start right away, but he's going to put in a lot of minutes for him. Well, I got a guy um, in Leon uh, Patel champion and call me a homer, Rooney Academy guy, Nyack, a New York guy. Um, but, you know, he showed a lot at the rugby showcase. He has a lot of tape. He's been around the block a few times. I mean, you have a, a two a hooker there in a spine position that nailed 100% of his throws with guys in lineouts that he doesn't play with ever. But he nailed every throw no matter what. It didn't shake him when a guy dropped the ball or the jump didn't happen. The throw was there. So imagine a guy like that, you know, getting a November to February camp with a, a new team. You know, he, I think he's a guy that, you know, I don't know necessarily know if you take him with your first pick, but considering you guys have five picks in this draft, I think it's somebody that you can consider one. I don't think he needs a lot of massaging to get to that level. I think he just needs fitness and, you know, the, the regular things you need as a professional to get there. But, you know, his hooking was great. Um, uh, again, his throwing was great. Uh, his speed was good. His reps were up there. His vertical was so-so. But let's be honest, you don't need a hooker to jump. And he was chipping, kicking the ball a little bit like Dylan Fawson. So I, I, I think, you know, you know, JD was talking about, you know, uh, loose forwards kicking before uh, with the tri-leader of the MLR, Dylan Fawcett, scoring a bunch of tries off of chip kicks. You know, maybe you want a hooker that chip kicks too. So, so let me jump in real quick. I think it's interesting you brought up the hooker. One of the guys that, you know, I think after last year's draft, and J.D., you can comment on this most certainly, that everybody kind of scratched their heads and went, huh, was, was Mason Cook, right? There were, there were a lot of folks down there that kind of scratched their heads and said, what were they doing? Who is this guy? And it's funny because he stepped right into a skill position. He backed up, um, and I, the name of their, their standard or their um, everyday hooker uh, escapes me, but I'm sure JD knows. Um, but, and then he came in uh, due to injury, came in, uh, slotted in for a couple games, one man of the match, scored two tries, and really uh, established himself as, as somebody who can come in long term and play hooker as an American. Um, and then, and then JD, what about a, in the backs, like a guy like Caleb Strum? He's been mentioned on some of the comments. Can you? Talk about those those two uh, positions potentially. Yeah, so I, I, look, I you know myself personally, and I'm just speaking anecdotally here. I think that you know with, I mean, it, it's pretty evident that um, you know the number one source of try origin in the MLR, you know, is through yeah. the lineout. Um, and if you're thinking, if you're looking at kind of the league average, right, like over seventy percent of them are within three or four phases, it's around three and a bit phases. Um, so the lineout is, is so important there. So look, it, it starts with the throw. Um, and it's something that, uh, something that I think is, is, you know, extremely important. Um, I know that, you know, a bit of feedback from, from the, uh, from the combine and, and, you know, looking at the footage, that is one of the first things that we are looking at is, is a hooker's ability to, to throw. Um, and then really, again, back to my kind of previous point is, is how do you see that hooker playing? Um, you know, the big guy touched on it, right. With Fawcett. I mean, you two is, is kind of the modern game, you know, is a essentially another back rower for you. 
Um, so having that skill set, the ability to run, pass and kick, you know, and that edge attacker, you know, is, is kind of key. Um, I know that, yeah, just on, on Caleb, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting, right, that, that players that are going to an event that you're able to compare apples to apples, they're able to really quickly elevate because if you've been, you know, player X you've been looking at and player Y comes along and he's on par with X or a little bit better, you know, you, you, it carries a little bit more stock. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Caleb go, you know, in the first round here. Um, just again on that that physical side, you know, I, I liken him to a Gannon Moore for Utah, um, mm-hmm. you know, type type winger. And, and again, look look at the you know the kickings increased in the in the modern game. Um, contestable kicks that you know are in vogue. Um, you need height to you don't necessarily need height, but it does help if you're able to be a bit taller and, and be able to contest early. So, yeah, so real quick, just part of the FS2 broadcast, they're going to commercial and they're going to come back with their first pick. So I got a question, JD. Um, you were saying comparing apples to apples. Now, I again, I, I'm trying to get a sense of throwing it out there for either fans who don't know or international fans who don't understand. Um, you know, guys might have bad reps here at things like the rugby showcase, but I mean, three years of film doesn't lie. Right. So if a guy has a bad, you know, showing at the rugby showcase, is that really going to deter somebody if you've already interviewed them and you like them and you have three years of tape on them? No, I, look, I don't think so. I, I think though that it, it will, I, there is a valid question though as to why, right? Like I think that, you know, there is one thing, you know, we talk about those intangibles, there's that big game temperament. So is it something to do with with stepping up and, and being at the next level? And you see some really unassuming players that can step up and, and they don't they don't do those massive X factor things, but stepping up seems to be quite seamless for them as a player. Um, and that's something that's really valued in the eyes of coaches and and you know and GMs as well. I'd I'd like to add to that. I think JD and and again comment if you can. Uh, I think um, consistency speaks a lot too, right? I mean, a guy like Moni Tangawea down in down in Nola, a guy like Hanko Hermesize, you know, those guys give you quality minutes week in and week out, no holds barred. They always show up and play well. And I think doesn't that speak to some of the th- those intangibles that GMs and coaches are looking for? Hundred percent. Yeah, that's it. I mean the. The reality is that you need players that can do um, you know, that are just more than than and Guerra touched on it right more than just the X factor moments. So they're in eighty minutes um, and and look, that's the game, right? It's not the sevens game. It's not one or two good moments. Um, you know, it's a series of moments over eighty minutes. For sure. Um, and and we're just waiting for. Uh, hey, I had a big question. JD, uh, as we come back, um, how difficult was it to get enough tape based on um, basically a lost year for a lot of universities, right? Um, not everybody was able to play a full season or even a season. Um, I'm the director of rugby at SMU here in Dallas. We did not even have a season. So I had an entire senior class lose that opportunity to showcase, you know, where they were. Uh, yeah, just continue on that. Yeah. Yeah, Rick, I, I think, look, it, it comes back to, you know, that with you guys at SMU, I mean, there'd be junior footage on your boys. The other piece is, you know, where are they spending their, their off seasons? Are they playing club rugby? Is there, you know, sevens opportunities? And then look, short of that, and some of the things I, I did see, I, I, I made a joke to it before, but I've alluded to it. I have seen players actually, uh, you know, filming their just them kicking, them passing, and and you can actually get a pretty good understanding of, of their ability. You know, their 
their motor pattern movements, not necessarily their skills because you can't see it under pressure, but you can get a pretty good understanding of, of potentially how well-rounded they are technically. Um, you know, the reality is we did rely heavily on some older footage. Um, and I think a lot of it, you know, to, to Fitzy's comments with having discussions the night before with players, a lot of it is a bit of a leap of faith um, in terms of the player itself. So you're looking at the pedigree, what school they go to, what their coach is saying about them, what their junior or, you know, sophomore experiences look like. Um, and then really, you know, in, in this day and age, and I think even with the NFL draft, you know, in lieu of having a combine, it, it was a bit of a leap of faith on, on some of these kids. And I think that's going to be the case tonight as well. Yeah. And I want to touch upon you. You hit, you struck a great chord with me. I think that, you know, over the last year, since last year's draft, um, a lot of people out there have been pretty critical of the draft and saying, all oh, these guys, you know, why do we need to draft, go to academies? It doesn't tell us much. A lot of these guys, you know, aren't draft ready or we haven't heard from them. And I, I think that's a little short-sighted from what I've seen. I mean, I think seven or eight guys made significant contributions from last year's draft out of 24, that's one third. And if you look at the NFL, I mean, realistically out of the first round, how many, what percentage of the first round draft picks actually make big time noise their, you know, their rookie year. Right. And how many guys actually miss in the NFL where they do all that research, they have all the money they can put into all the things that JD's talked about and more. And yet they still find it hard to predict, you know, uh, success based upon the footage, based upon the research. So I think the strike rate for the draft actually last year, I was really, really impressed with the strike rate. How many of those guys have been able to contribute to Major League Rugby rosters in their rookie seasons? Yeah, I mean, I was really excited when I uh, looked at the numbers and what I thought they would be able to put forward in terms of minutes out of that class. I thought there's going to probably be four guys who put out, you know, 30 to 40 minutes a match. There might be two guys at start, right? And then the rest of the guys are just going to be doing, you know, they might get two or three matches playing five to ten minutes, right? Way beyond that. I mean, you had guys like Connor Mooneyham. Every game he was in, he was starting pretty much. Um, you had other guys who were starting half of their matches. I'm really, really impressed with the way that those players were able to transition because you see college kids go to men's clubs, and there's a transition period, a serious transition period for a lot of them going over. And for them to transition, that just tells you how much better the college programs are getting, especially the higher-level ones, right? And also and, and how well the MLR is prepping these kids going into the season. Yeah, and sorry to jump in, Rick, but we had uh, Rob and Remescu on, and that's one thing he talked about was the Penn State program specifically that he was in. You know, going it was practice five days a week. You know, have a match, have a day of rest, and rolling into the Rooney season in 2020, he felt the transition was way easier. Obviously, physicality was a little different. You had to learn the playbook getting used to personalities, things like that. But he felt that going into camp, at least, it was way easier for him to to transition. And you're going to see that from top-level guys, you know, LU, St. Mary's, Iona, Penn State, you know, who uh, missing Cal, I'm missing a whole bunch of people. But I think we're each collegiate program is going to start creeping up there when they realize how big this draft event is and how big the MLR is going to get in the next 10 years. A big guy, is it, is it possible? Could we cue up that piece from uh, Josh Mason where he talks a little bit about 
how what they do, what they've done at a top tier program to prep kids for playing at the next level? Do we have that? I, I think it's this part. So um, let's uh, let's roll it real quick. Level skill that I often see overlooked is just learning how to learn, like learning how to create an improvement plan for yourself. A lot of players, you know, they think if I just show up early and I stay late, like I'll just get better. Uh, but for most guys, they're just kind of spinning their wheels because they're not directing their efforts efficiently. Right. So, um, you know, for our boys, you know, we use training and match video extensively. We have, you know, GPS data they can use. And, you know, so we are in the habit week over week, year over year of kind of creating these little pathways for them to improve. Um, and I know it's one thing that our guys are going to take to the next level and be confident in, right? Um, if you're coming from a program, you know, that maybe doesn't use those things, it's going to be a shock to your system when uh, somebody's watching your practice reps on a screen or, uh, or comparing you to another player. You know, how do I do that uh, without just, you know, asking the coach, coach, how do I start, right? Be able to make a plan, be able to follow a plan and, and put all of that effort you're going to put in in the right places, um, it sounds probably cliche, but obviously. Hey, sorry to cut that short, but the Dallas Jackals have selected Eric Naposki Abdullah with the number one pick in the draft per George Killebrew. If you're watching on FS2, if you're not watching, um, T. going to show the second half of the draft internationally. So, again, that's uh, Eric Naposki Abdullah. Uh, JD, you have anything on him? Yeah, so I actually, I actually uh, coached Eric for the USA Falcons. So um, Eric's a, a, a pretty highly rated sevens player. Um, and in terms of a lot of his footage, uh, Rick, uh, you know, we were talking about outside backs before, but, um, you know, a lot of his footage is actually centered around his sevens game. Um, and look, the kid's got one of the best steps I've seen, um, you know, and, and like his feet and his acceleration are electric. Um, you know, I, he comes from a great program. We talk about what does it look like, a, you know, a, a daily kind of grind. Um, Dave does, Dave Clancy does a great job at UCLA, um, and, and setting these guys up. So, you know, fingers crossed, it's a, it's an easy transition, uh, you know, for Eric. Um, I do kind of, I guess, thinking about, you know, positionally, where does he slot in? Um, I think, you know, we spoke about that versatility factor. I think that coming from a sevens, you know, background where he plays, uh, you know, nine, uh, bit of fly half and, and, and is also sweeping a while as sevens. Um, you know, there's a chance we could see him as a, as a, you know, as a halfback or a scrum half, or, or potentially, you know, as an outside back as well. So, uh, you know, it's an exciting pick. Yeah, and you know, as a, as a Bruin, as a UCLA uh, uh, member, you know, we talked about that transition into that pro system. So I think again, he's going to have an easy time transitioning on those little things to help him make those big steps. And honestly, at this point, without him, you know, making up any plays in the MLR. I think we can almost call him a Connor Mooneyham 2.0. So, I literally Rick, what, what was you- just saying that. Um, I I love the pick. Um, it's it's exactly it's Connor Mooneyham 2.0. Watching this highlights, it's he has dynamic playmaking ability. Um, Connor Mooneyham, of course, played a lot of ten. Um, I actually think he he could uh, like you're saying. I think a scrum half is a possibility. If if he learns that pass, um, his his ability to make plays um, 
with his feet. Um, his speed could be hugely advantageous there. But again, this is a guy who they can they can fit in in a multitude of different back positions, and could probably come in and play right away, maybe on the wing. Right, you put him out on the wing, start training him at 10, 15, and probably fit back at fifteen on occasion. Uh, but just a super dynamic player. And it, it, knowing Elaine, this is the type of player that they love to look at, is a player who's extremely dynamic in the loose. Not necessary that they are, you know, perfect in, in a, um, restarts, that they're perfect at, um, you know, uh, set plays, right? But a guy who can make things happen when, you know, everything breaks down. And this guy, based on everything I've seen, can do everything when things so jd let me let me just jump in here you're familiar with eric and at least understand both his tangibles and intangibles and clearly he has some physical gifts in terms of a step his ability to be elusive his ability to be dynamic my question when i saw him and and i'm not asking for a hey he'll be a home run but uh my question is uh, does he have the physical presence to step on the the pitch um you know in in february um, and bring an element to the Dallas Jackals because he's not quite as big and physical as Mooneyham is. Right. Yeah, look, I, I think, I mean, you know, th- they are two different players, and I think that players that have, you know, great elusive feet, you know, they're doing it for a reason, you know, whereas Connor can actually take contact and, you know, his running lines and support lines are great, and, uh, you know, the contact piece isn't an issue for him. Where I look at someone like Eric, I mean, with a quarter of the tries, you know, in the league coming from turnover and and kick receipts, you know, finding those seams of the space that, you know, that you're finding on the kick returns or or turnover ball, I think that's going to be where he'll be able to live and that'll be his bread and butter. Um, I think like anyone, you know, really that's the acid test because a lot of these guys, um, you know, outside of playing sevens, you know, they haven't played senior men's 15s. And for everyone on the call, I mean, we, we all know that, right? Like that's the, it is a big physical step up towards that. Um, but look, I think that he's going to, you know, he's a guy that will build on the strengths that he has, that elusive, um, you know, and, and create uh, sort of creative type player. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that he's going to, he's going to bring a different and, and play a different style of play that necessarily won't, you know, worry too much about being overly physical or being in that physical um, space, if you would, Hammer. And uh, so Houston's on the clock with the second pick. It's coming up in a couple minutes. Um, we're, Rick's going to drop off a little bit. He's going to rejoin us right before pick 10 to talk about that Jackals pick. So, Rick, we'll see you in a little bit. Sure. Thanks, brother. So coming up on pick two, I think um, it's one of those things where you know, Houston, I think, has a lot to deal with, but I also feel like, and again, this is this is me talking, and I know JD probably can't talk talk to this professionally, but it just seems as though there was an issue at the top organizationally. Um, so I think they've cleared that out now. They're they're getting ready to make a move, and they're here to here to make a pick here. And let's see, Emmanuel Albert is the second pick in the draft, and he's actually. Uh, Getting his jersey, I gotta say, this is a big deal. He's getting his jersey. He's you know gives gives the hug to Commissioner Killebrew, and uh, our buddy uh, Henneke is uh, giving him his jersey. And I, I sorry, I'm kind of waxing poetic about it, but you know, for obviously Lindenwood pick hammers. I'm sure ecstatic. I'm sure I heard Preston yell somewhere, um, but it's nice to see that 
we're getting to that point where these guys can be on camera and have their moment. Um, so, uh, Rob, what do you think about this pick for Houston? Um, I, well, of course, uh, I'm a homer. Right? <laughs> I love it. But um, I think EJ uh, um, Emmanuel has the ability to – step on that pitch and give quality minutes from day one. He has the physical size. I mean, that's one of the the things that, as I've talked to players that came out of last year's draft and into the MLR, and I'm talking about, you know, guys like Guerra, guy, guys like uh, Bronson Tellis, who we'll, who we'll hopefully hear from soon in some of our uh, video footage. That's what they talk about is the physicality. So that's the number one thing that you're looking forward to, uh, looking forward to forward is the physicality. I don't think he's going to play in the second row like um, – like he did in, 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 you know, at Lindenwood. I think they're going to put him probably on a blind side or potentially groom him to play number eight. But he's got that physical size. He's got that physical ability. Um, he's mobile. I wouldn't say he has, you know, uh, ridiculous pace for a loose forward, but he's but he's got good feet. Um, and he obviously has ability to go into contact and take contact in the tackle. So I love the pick. Uh, and he's a he's a Minnesota boy. Am, am I right about that? Yes, hundred percent. Got to gotta love those those real Midwestern guys out of Minnesota. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you're picking up a solid a solid product here for Houston. I think it's a solid pick. Um, you know, Meyer coming in his first year and being in. Uh, I'm assuming this is the first time Meyer has ever heard of a draft. Um, so it's interesting. Um, and wow. Third, third pick. Sorry, uh, third pick, Seattle. Um, and I just hold on. Who the heck is it? I can't. Uh, of course, the broadcast went too fast for me. Um, Tavita Lopetti. Rob, are you seeing who they? Seattle. I think something tells me JD is pretty up on who's being selected here. Go ahead, DJ. Yeah, so Taviti Lopetti uh, out of St. Mary's Center. Um, I mean, that's a great pick. And I think, you know, we talk about quality programs. I mean, you know, St. Mary's and, and what Tim, you know, has, has done. I mean, the guy's building, you know, a, a dynasty there. And, and he's got some great, you know, assistant coaches in, in Johnny Everett and, and Brendan O'Meara, who's also been part of the junior national team coaching setup. So, I mean, they're a program that kind of consistently, you know, doesn't do anything kind of too flashy. You don't see them out, you know, anything like that. But, I mean, consistently they're, they're top four or national champions. And, I mean, just have a look at the kind of current Eagles pool right now. I mean, they're littered with, you know, St. Mary's grads. So, um, JD, I'm going to interrupt you here. They're kind of uh, going through. So uh, after Seattle was Toronto picking the first Canadian, Logan uh, uh, Martin Feek, I believe, uh, at a University of Victoria, um, and San Diego is making their fifth pick. So hold on. Oh wow! Another, there you go, Jonah Dietenberger, um, there with the commissioner, uh, getting his handshake. Another Lindenwood, um, a lock, um, and maybe JD can speak to this. You can't teach height, so how important is it to get a good lock? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you know, and Hammer's got intimate knowledge here of Jonah, but I mean, you know, again, we can't coach six foot five, um, and I think, look, it, you know, he's another Midwestern kid, a Wisconsin boy, so I know that Fitzy's probably kicking himself on, on that, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 
look, I think, again, that's another quality pick. Comes from a great program. And, and you know, I think you can't underplay. I think there's two, two ways to look at it, right? That the ability for a kid to transition from a, basically a professional setup at a collegiate level um, makes a seamless transition. Um, you know, the other players, though, that, that we would, you know, hopefully see here today um, that, you know, are, are coming from maybe not necessarily established programs. I mean, the reality there is, you know, you look at, potentially there's more potential with those players because they get into a setup or they get into an environment and, and, you know, the sky's the limit for someone like that. So yeah, no, I join a great pick. I mean, Hammer, you know, this is something close to your heart as well. Yeah. Here's what I like about Jonah. Obviously he can't teach height. And, and that's a, that's an initial. saw when you just see him, he has a great frame. He can put on more weight. Um, here's what I like about Jonah. He is, he's got a nastiness. He's got an edge, and I think that's an important piece to play in the league, especially in the, in the forward in the forward pack. You gotta want to get dirty. You want to get your nose in there. You want to get your your hands over the ball. You want to be able to stay on your feet um, and and do that dirty work that that Andrew talked about in his interview there. And I think Jonah uh, Jonah loves that part of the game. Uh, when I would watch him, oftentimes I would see him, you know, after a little nasty skirmish, after getting in there and getting dirty, he would come over with this wry smile on my face. Uh, much to the uh, similar to uh, a big lock down there in South Africa um, that we just saw play in the rugby championship last weekend. So I love the pick. I think uh, it didn't shock me at all that he went in the first five. All right, I'm just updating some of our viewers. Some of our international viewers are watching us and having a hard time following on FS2 because I don't think it's available in certain places like Canada, believe it or not. Um, so I'm just updating the picks here. But, yeah, I think you're right. You know, you can't teach height. You can't teach nastiness. And I think that's something that, you know, I kind of um, slapped Paul Mullen around for uh, in this the past um, – the past international matches, unfortunately, I think he just, he was too, he wasn't as nasty as he should have been to those young Englishmen and those young Irishmen. You know, Paul Mullen's been around the block. Um, you know, he lives on a little island off of, off of Ireland. That's where he comes from. He's a tough, he's a tough guy. So maybe it was just, you know, between MLR fatigue, him playing in just about every Utah match, you know, trying to have four days of practice, traveling, you know, across the Atlantic Ocean. I, I just think his, it didn't come out. But it comes out when he plays in the MLR. So, you know, you, you know that that is effective. You know it gets people off their game. Um, and those little cheeky little things you do, especially as, as in a tight five situation, are sometimes, you know, how you get mentally into other people's heads. Um, you know, I, I, just, I see Rob's face, and he's on, oh, Lindenwood, two in the top five. You know, I'm sure he's going to be like, a, you know, uh, my Preston, my son Preston plays at Lindenwood and all that bullshit. So just get ready for it, folks. I don't, I don't <laughs> need to do that. You just did it for me. But, Katie, um, I want to I just address and go back to pick number four, Logan Martin Feek, for our Canadian friends down there uh, that are listening from up north. Um, do you have any insights or any thoughts on, on Logan and, and what kind of player he can develop into? Um, he was selected by Seattle, yeah. right? Or was that? Uh, Correct. Yeah. Oh, no, you selected by Toronto. No, Toronto, Sorry, Toronto. 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 Yeah. So look, guys, I think if, if I'm if I'm being realistic here, what what you might find is obviously the the Canadian eligible players um, being picked up potentially by Toronto, and then obviously only limited to you know American teams if you would picking up American players unless like a Lockie Kratt situation in which they're a U.S. citizen. Um, but I mean, you know, if uh, you know if if Canada was able to produce uh, the quantity of players in which we're able to in the US. I mean, we would have, it'd be a lot tougher at U18s, U20s, U23s, and obviously our senior team. So um, he's a quality um, inside back and, and looking at his footage. Um, I mean, 
again, we talk about dynasties and then the, the program which he comes from is a Canadian dynasty, um, you know, that's well coached and, and well connected. So I see it as being a pretty seamless kind of transition and, and you know, hopefully a player in which Kingsley's looking at for, um, you know, for higher honours. Hey, um, I, he's on yep. Uh, I, I just got contacted by Jonah. Um, he's willing to join us. So hopefully we might be able to get Jonah on here. Um, so for fans that are looking to hear from Jonah a little bit more, we can get him on here in a couple of minutes. Um, so real quick, Rooney's coming up with their pick here. Uh Oh, the big guy's wood. And this is the pick that sent to Monte Noble from the supplemental draft. Chase Shore Haskins, a life university. Uh, I know Rob's going to give me shit for it. Uh, uh, um, because I love life. Because you got guys like Dylan Fawcett, Alex McDonald, and you know what life does? They beat teams like Lindenwood. So I love them. I love that pick. It's a great pick. Uh, let's not forget Lindenwood beat life this year too. Yeah, in a COVID year, it doesn't count. Um, but he's a number. He's a number. Eight. <laughs> it's all rugby, brother. It's all rugby. In my opinion, a little undersized, but I wonder if he's gonna he's gonna play. You know, under guys like you know my boy Kyle Sumption. So we'll see. And the AG's pick is coming in. Let's see. Caleb Strum, University of Alabama. We were just talking about him, a showcase player. Mikey Brown was talking about him. JD was talking about him going to the AGs. I don't think that's a surprise. Um, I think he fits right in there. And as Dylan uh, uh, Faraci said, Pharisee said, um, the Rooney pick is a is a harpooner. Hashtag go pooners. It's <laughs> all <laughs> so good. So Austin just made a pick. What was that again? And hold, we're go, they're going right, they're going right again. The free checks pick, man. They're just going right after it in this in this broadcast. It's like That's chocolates big. out of a candy machine. <laughs> Seriously, hey, another Lindenwood, Kale Hodson. Got another guy at the rugby showcase. So let's. It's funny because everybody was talking crap about the rugby showcase. Two guys from the rugby showcase going in the top ten right now. You know. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I, you know, to me, you know, you're, you're taking the guy who's a, I, Rob, correct me if I'm wrong. He was the top try scorer this year at Lindenwood. I, I you know, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if he's top, top try scorer. I, he was, he was, I'm sure he was up top there. Yes. He's still at the rugby showcase to go and, and talk to some of these GMs and New England was one of those guys there. So I think this, the rugby showcase is showing us that it's working. Hold on. Sorry, guys. Utah. Jeez, we don't even have time to talk about some of these guys, man. Um, this, I, I will say, hold on, Joseph Baki from Western Michigan, at number eight. It was a it was a Nola Gold pick. Nola Gold traded back, I believe, for some cash considerations in the cap. Utah trades up to get the guy they want. And we have Jonah live here. I'm going to bring Jonah in, guys. Jonah, how you doing, brother? Not, not too bad. How are we doing? Doing great. Listen, the newly minted in the MLR. How does it feel? It's uh, it's a dream come true. It's it's been it's been a lot of work, hard work over the years at Lindenwood, but um, it's it's good to say it paid off, I guess. Yeah. So so, uh, how are you and your family celebrating uh, this uh, newfound success? Or at least a step in your success. We're uh, we're, we went to a local bar back in Wisconsin, and uh, 
they I got a, got to see them how they reacted and it was <laughs> it was overwhelming feeling. Seemed and real real quick, uh, and Rick is Rick is Rick's hey, going crazy. And he looks really cold with the angle there. <laughs> yeah, well, DeCore Davis going to number 10 uh, to the Jackals. That was Rooney's uh, uh, traded back out and more for, for more cap considerations. DeCore Davis, another showcase guy. So, uh, Jonah, real quick, we don't want to take a ton of your time. We know you're celebrating with your family. Um, you know, uh, you have to be excited about, about being selected. Um, when are you going to get started getting ready to, to bring yourself up to the next level? What are your plans for the next couple of weeks? Uh, you know, I guess talking to the team, really, I haven't really gotten to do that yet. Um, this is the whole surprise action because they didn't reach out, but, um, I'm excited to, to see what they have to say and what they think I can provide to the team. Awesome. I well, guess. you know, yeah. And we know you'll do good things there. And like I said, uh, get your nastiness, get your edge out there on the MLR pitch next season. I know I'm excited as a Lindenwood fan. Um, and of course, I wish you all the success and best of luck next season, and a big congratulations on on hey, being a, a drafted player in the first round. Thank you. All right, you guys. All right, and James Jonah, we appreciate it. ATL picking a hooker, Isaac Hales, uh, out of Iowa. Again, um, I missed a I missed a pick there in between. Um, sorry, guys, I'm trying to try and do a couple things at once, but we have Chase here coming on. Uh, I'm going to bring him on, guys. How you guys doing? We're well. How are you, Chase? I'm good. I'm good. Congratulations, mate, on being selected to the MLR. It has to feel really, really good seeing all your hard work and commitment to your craft come to fruition. Most definitely, yeah. It's a great feeling, something I've been looking forward to for a while now. Yeah, so, uh, you know, and, and J.D., if you want to step in with some questions, um, by all means, jump in. Uh, but one that I have is, you know, for for guys that are, you know, maybe thinking about that are juniors and seniors uh, going into that year, what what would you tell them now that you've gotten to this point? What would you tell them um, to think about as they head into their junior, uh, junior or senior year and maybe thinking about, you know, going into the MLR draft next year in 2022? Yeah, so um, I definitely think it would be a great idea for them to join the draft. You know, uh, I think the draft has been uh, something great that came about to just give more and more players the opportunity to, you know, present themselves and put their names out there, as well as uh, something like the rugby showcase as well that has been put into place. Another opportunity to put your name out there. And some advice that I would give them is honestly just, you know, focus on your game, on your craft on your headspace and just control what you can control and don't worry too much about the outside variables because if it's meant to be, it will fall into place. And real quick, uh, the last pick of the first round was Sam Klimkowski. Uh, he had, was a big producer at the showcase, topping out reps at 29. He probably could have gone 30 uh, after speaking to him after doing the reps on the on the 225. He said he was starting to feel it in his shoulders and wanted to be ready for that, uh, that um, five-on-five work. Um, he's a big dude. Uh, he has big fucking thighs, and I think Alex Corbacero fell in love with him. Um, a lot of guys at the showcase did, and interestingly enough, I think word got around because Elliot Giltinis was not one of the teams that was at the showcase. You know, so uh, he, he put up impressive numbers not only in the the agility drill, his vertical was high. I mean, we're talking about you know a three hundred and twenty pound prop here who was 
obviously putting big numbers up on the bench press, but he was frigging quick. Some guy taught him how to run. So imagine him with a ball in hand. I want to see him and James Rochford hit each other uh, next season when the, when uh, we go out to L.A. So, Chase, before we let you go, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, it's a pleasure. Uh, you really make what we're doing here a lot of fun because you bring, um, you know, that firsthand experience to the fans. Um, give some folks some insights. Uh, you know, we all know that, you know, uh, MLR guys aren't making, you know, big time bank. Uh, it's really about commitment, wanting to play rugby, about being committed uh, to really growing as a player. Um, give us some background. You know, Ron, what is your major? What might you look to be doing to supplement uh, perhaps what you're going to be doing in the MLR? Yeah, so um, my major is psychology. And as I move forward, I'm, I'm looking into a, to step into the field of sports psychology. And so, you know, looking forward to pro rugby, it's just going to be another another asset to, to help me with, with that career as well. So, yeah. I think uh, I think JD could probably speak to the importance that I think you know the next step for teams as they begin to to um, advance their metrics is probably to have on staff a sports psychologist to leave at least have somebody that players can talk to to give them that edge. When you get at that high level, man, it's one or two percent, and that that a lot of that can be mental, right, Chase? Exactly, a hundred percent. No, I I agree completely. You know, I've had my own you know bouts and experiences, the highs, the lows. Um, rugby in a lot of sports is, is just as much or if more mental than physical as physical as sport as rugby is, you know, the mental aspect is huge. And, you know, I've just come to realize that more and more. So I, I agree with you completely. And I hope to do something like that one day. Awesome. I got to be honest before he goes, um, dealing with guys like Luke Hume, you're going to need some psychological ed because Luke Hume's a player. <laughs> So welcome to Rooney, buddy. Yeah, I, got the, I got the skills. I got the techniques. I, I think I'll be all right. Well, hey, Chase, thanks again for joining us. I sincerely appreciate it. The big guy, JD, sincerely appreciates it. And the Rugby Rant hopes to stay in touch through your rookie season and just get well, – I'll be in touch with you, getting updates and seeing how you're doing. And, and uh, it's always a pleasure to watch guys like yourself grow and grow into the, you know, uh, the player, all the player they can be at the next level. Thanks, brother. Congratulations. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having Thanks, me Mike. on. Have a great one. Congrats, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you. So, yeah, we, we completed the first round of the, uh, the uh, MLR draft. Really excited. Uh, you know, some top prospects there. We were talking about Caleb Strum with Mikey Brown before. Sam Klinkowski, like I said, was on everybody's big board, uh, at least just on measurables and his game tape coming out of a small school at Notre Dame College. Um, you know, well, we had our first Canadian picked finally, you know, which was a big sticking point for not only Rob and I, but all the Canadian fans last year of them not being, um, you know, eligible because they're in the draft. You know, JD, they are North American players, so they don't count against that foreign player spot. And we saw a lot of Canadians move kind of south. Well, I mean, I get every Canadian moved south because Toronto was playing in Atlanta. But we had a lot of teams, a lot of guys who were, you know, either Toronto Arrows in 2020 or you know, maybe they they just start their MLR career, come to other teams. So, I mean, it's not far-fetched to maybe see some of these Canadian guys get picked on these American teams. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. I mean, look, they're, they're quality players. And again, you know, I think the reality is, um, you know, we both understand if we think, you know, as uh, as playing kind of uh, countries, USA Rugby and, and Rugby Canada, um, the need for, you know, for competitive play between the two of us because we – that it's our kind of most natural rival and, and competitor and, and 
you know, a stronger Canada makes a, a more stronger US and, and, you know, that's indicative in the level of play as well. But, you know, in terms of, um, you know, I spoke to it before, right? Like there is the issue though with, with the visa with Canadian guys, you still need to get a visa for them unless they have a, um, you know, unless they have a, a US passport. Um, so there is that kind of little hiccup with them. But I mean, the ones that have been given opportunities, just look at, you know, Nola with, with Eric Howard and Kyle Bailey. And then, you know, this year adding, um, you know, Lockie Kratz. I mean, there's some, they're, they're international kind of world-class players. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see them more in the league. Obviously, selfishly, I'd love to see more American players first and foremost, but, you know, they bring a good edge and, and you know, something different to, um, to the level of competition. Speaking of American players, J.D., we got somebody uh, standing on, uh, on deck here. We're going to bring on uh, newly drafted MLR player, uh, Joseph Baki. Hey, Joey, um, you were talked a lot about uh, by especially by folks here in the Midwest who know you're familiar with you, of course, from Rugby, Illinois, going then over to Western Michigan, two places close to my heart. How does it feel to be a newly drafted MLR player um, ready to hone your craft in the spring? Uh, I like the sound of that MLR player. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just so blessed and thankful to be a part of the teams and have the coaching that I've had throughout my 15 years of playing rugby. Um, Andrew Guerra, him and I are pretty, pretty good friends, and he's led the way, and I'm just following in his footsteps. That, and those are those are some some pretty damn good footsteps, my friend. Um, talk about just for a moment. Uh, you know, I've talked a little bit about some unique elements from you, but again, having familiarity coming from rugby Illinois, what are what are some things you've done? Um, just to kind of along the way bring your game to the next level so you get to this point of calling yourself a professional rugby player. Joey, did you get all that or not? <laughs> so some things that uh, I've really done is just take advantage of every opportunity, every single opportunity I can. I was getting some feedback there, so I don't know if it cut off. But, no, we're good, mate. Uh, every opportunity I could, every camp, every MLR camp, everything. Just take advantage of every opportunity. And just so everybody who's watching knows, they're doing three picks at a time right now, so it's very hard to keep up with them. So they just hit me with six picks in a row, and I'm going to announce them as soon as I can see the replay on with us. Before we go to the picks, I don't. I don't want to take a ton of uh, Joey's time. Uh, are you? How are you and your family celebrating um, tonight? Uh, I got a lot of old friends, um, a lot of rugby guys from high school, from college, over uh, some family, and we're just gonna have a good time and celebrate, and worry about what happens next tomorrow. Back to work tomorrow, though. There you go. That's what we like to hear. Back to work tomorrow. Uh, continuing the pedigree of Illinois rugby. I love it. I'm I'm about to shed a tear here because I'm so excited that we're going to see some guys from our from the place that I I began playing rugby mature into the MLR. Um, my brother, stay in touch. Congratulations. Do good work, and uh, we we hope to see you getting quality minutes, my friend. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Congrats, man. Hey, have a good one. Congrats, Joey. Thanks. Yeah, so going into the second round, like I said, it was, I'm, I've missed the last six picks. Um, I think I heard Tanashi's name called, though. I believe he's going to Seattle um, is, is what I'm trying to pick up here. 
Um, another again, another showcase guy. I know Mikey Brown. I think the showcase wanted at least fifteen guys picked in the draft. I believe they were up to six in the first round. If you count Tanache, who I believe went to Seattle in the second round, that's seven. So they're halfway there. I mean, they're almost at their goal. JD, any reflections on Tanache? I mean, he's a he's a big unit out there. Um, where do you see him being slotted in at the next level? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He went to Houston. I'm sorry, Houston. Yeah, I think look again, right? Like you nailed it there, Hammer. Again, that's a it's a bigger physical player um, that you know, and I think to you know the uh, the ties to uh, to Heineke and and what he's all about. Um, you know, I think that was pretty evident with with EJ's pick and now you know with Tanasha's pick too that you are getting a pretty good indication of what we can see in terms of an overall playing pool um, in Houston and, and the style of play in which has been successful for you know, for Heineken in the past. So, um, you know, I, I think it's horses for courses and, and I think it's going to be a good fit. And, you know, the, the, uh, the Sabercat fans are going to be happy about that, that pick. They, and they have to be. It's, you know, I'm glad you brought in Heineke. I mean, of course, he's a South African and you can kind of see, like you said, the direction that he's going to want to go, picking big, strong, physical players, focusing on the forward pack, uh, providing a platform for their offense to get their motor running, um, really looking to get quality, you know, quality ball at the breakdown. Um, and so uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, a lot of folks out there who follow the league pretty tightly and saw Heineke get um, being brought on as director of rugby were kind of wondering, well, what's what's his mindset going to be? And I think these first two picks, as JD talked about, really give you an idea um, that he's not going to stray too far from home and he's going to really go with a forward mentality, which is nice to see. And, you know, shout out to, to our guy, Cody O'Neill, um, who got a lot of quality minutes at second row. I think, uh, you know, Cody's going to really be able to co- help those guys in their development as, a, as, a, as eyes on the field. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I'm going to try and keep up with some of the, the picks here. I still haven't found those first six picks. Uh, I got to be honest, MLR social media is atrocious. Um, you know, I, I don't know how they're not keeping up, but apparently they're not. So that's that's fine. Um, real quick, let's just go over uh, the first round. So um, Eric Naposki going to Dallas with the first. Um, and then we had Emmanuel Albert going to uh, Houston with the second pick, the third overall pick, Tavite Lopetti going to Seattle. Uh, our first Canadian drafted, Logan Martin Feek, going to Toronto. Um, after Logan, uh, our buddy Jonah Dietenberg, uh, Berger going to San Diego. Uh, Chase uh, Shore Haskin, who we just had on the show, going to my my boys, the Roosters, Rooney. Caleb Strum, who was you know highly touted, and another guy that uh, Michael Brown talked about, um, going to the AGs. Kale Hodge, uh, Hodgson's going to uh, uh, New England. Sorry, uh, Joseph Backey, who we just had on the show, going to Utah. DeCord Davis, who we talked about out of Queens College, a big guy in the showcase who put up some numbers, going to Dallas at the 10th spot. Um, the, 11, the 11th spot, Nola George Sharp. Uh, 12, Isaac Bales to Rugby ATL. And Sam Klimkowski, another big name in the rugby showcase, going to the Giltinis. Uh, and I'm trying, like I said, I'm trying to figure out, get at all these other picks. Um, but. Uh, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't want to work with me here. They don't want to work. <laughs> JD, can you talk a little bit? I mean, we know you have intimate knowledge with Nola. Talk, like George Sharp probably wasn't one of those names that sticks out uh, with with some fans. Can you talk a little bit about um, the background behind Sharp, uh, that that pick for Nola? Yeah. So, without giving away too many trade secrets here for for Fitzy, but um, yeah, look, 
I, I spoke about it before, but it, it is accuracy around the throw. Um, it's something which was highly valued. And, and you know, when, um, when they, uh, we actually brought in a few players to do workouts, um, you know, the, uh, there's actually uh, the three hookers were brought in. Um, you know, the feedback that we received was that that would be the natural or the, the easiest progression through to um, through to the MLR level uh, technically as a, as a throwing hooker. And, and then obviously all the intangible pieces off the pitch, the way in which he carried himself, um, you know, the communications in which, which the guys had, you know, with him were, um, you know, were great. So um, again, it, I spoke to it earlier, but it, it's kind of a, a few box, a few boxes ticked and then really leave the face right. And then see what they do with the, uh, the opportunity in the, you know, essentially in the fall and hopefully set them up to make an impact, um, you know, come, come next year's season. Yeah. And, and by the way, for fans, uh, you know, that don't know, I mean, Nola has two pretty strong hookers, uh, down there, obviously, Eric Howard led them uh, in 2018, 2019, and then a little bit in 2020. And then uh, what we had, um, um, o, uh, O'Sullivan or O'Toole? Yeah. Pat, Pat O'Toole and then, yeah, we've, yeah, don't, uh, don't discount our, uh, um, our, uh, our other hooker, our St. Mary's boy as well. Yeah, and, and so he has pretty good, some pretty good on-field coaches that can help him through his rookie year. Yeah, hundred percent. I, you know, that's. I think that's what's cool, right? We talk about some of the environments in which these players are stepping into, and and definitely ones in which they are learning environments. Um, you know, unlike uh, kind of some of the other professional setups that you do see, the players understand the fact that they're not necessarily um, competing directly with that player, so they see it as more of an understudy role and the ability for them to, to try and develop them. And, and definitely that was the case with the interactions with the guys drafted last year, that they felt that, you know, the, the senior players in the squad were, you know, really helping um, their development and accelerate their learning. Um, and, you know, Coach Macy spoke to it in, in the video as well as actually helping them understand what it takes to, you know, compete at this level. So, um, you know, hopefully that's evident across the league and, and you know, we're going to see these young players stepping up and, and very quickly accelerating to, you know, look at Guerra, look at Mooneyham, you know, Eagles within a, a year or two is awesome. And uh, to recap the first three picks in the second round, we have uh, Aaron Gray going to Dallas, Tanase Muchena going to Houston, and Daryl Williams going to Seattle. You know, it's funny. I think is that three Linenwood picks going down to Houston. Is that, is that the correct count? That's that's two. That's two. I believe. Okay. So so uh, you know the Linenwood guys have gotten used to black and gold, and and it's going to continue with a little bit with the black and yellow. Um, but again, following the philosophy um, of Haneke Meyer, going with some big forwards, some big units up front um, that can do a lot of work around the pitch, and and hopefully poach ball down there and win some turnovers. I think that's going to be critical. Toronto Arrows coming in with their second pick, another Canadian, Bryce Warden. Uh, he is a, a prop. Um, I think he, he was on, he was an under 20 Canada grad. So, I mean, you know, obviously Toronto are picking up these guys uh, coming out of their rugby Canada system. Um, what, are, what are the advantages of picking up a prop that you already know about, J.D.? I mean, a UBC prop that played for Canada U20s and, and I know firsthand about uh, 
what you know the devastation of a Canadian front row can do to a, a US under twenty program. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> having seen it kind of firsthand. So look, I think that's a great pick, and I think it's something that you know if you look just in the previous kind of three or four years in terms of the front rowers that Canada's been able to produce. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a conveyor belt there, but I spoke to it earlier about UBC, um, you know, being, you know, a prestigious program um, of our Northern counterparts. And, and, and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, not knowing kind of Bryce intimately, but, you know, I'm sure that um, uh, he'll be a quality pick. And, and again, a front row option is, is, is always critical in this game. So um, I, I probably more though, and, and, Big guy probably just jump in on it was um, impressed with Aaron Gray. So Aaron, similar to Eric Naposky, actually coached at the USA Falcons and has been a kind of a, a wider squad guy with the, the Sevens program. Um, there's another very elusive, um, you know, post-contact meters for a little guy. Um, him and Marcus Tupuola are actually, you know, very similar type players. Um, you know, he's obviously been a part of the Sevens program, but that's a great pickup there at, at 14. And I honestly saw him potentially going in the first round, um, but another exciting, you know, outside back. So, um, you know, if the Jackals are looking to have a seven step, they're going to be pretty deadly. So, And San Diego with their pick, uh, Thomas Capriotti, another name. Um, you know, it's, it's, we're seeing a lot of names. We're not seeing a lot of gems yet. I think we get into the second half of the second round and the third round, you're going to see what uh, us Americans call reach picks um, guys who are projects, Guys who they think that they can spend the the that they think have the value. Maybe not this year. Maybe it's the academy this year. Maybe it's a second or third uh, stringer on your pro team. Um, but we're going to get into what what the big guy likes to call the championship round soon. And and um, you know, I just uh, had communication with Tanache. Um, I'm hoping he's going to join here in a minute. He's looking forward to joining us. Uh, but in between that time, uh, JD, we've seen a couple props picked. Uh, Gunkowski. Um, Warden, um, do you see them stepping onto the pitch and contributing quality minutes? I mean, a comparable is someone like Matt Harmon. And even in Matt Harmon's case, we saw him kind of take a year to year and a half to develop a little bit. Um, do you think these guys are going to be MLR ready uh, day one? Or do you think, again, they're going to have to hone their craft a little bit and learn a little bit before they jump into the front row right away? Yeah, I think front row is one of the, you know, especially the the you know the dark arts that happen as they we kind of joke about but look it is it is something um that does take time um and i think it's just the physical nature there's kind of two components right there's the there's somewhat the safety aspect that you don't want to put players in a um you know unfamiliar position or anything you know it, and i think the other piece is the learning curve um with our front rollers because you know, unfortunately, um, you know, a, a lot of our scrummaging, um, you know, in the country and even in the collegiate game, there's a there's a very big difference between how, um, you know, say a Linderwood scrums versus, you know, someone playing in, in Division Three rugby. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of why you see a lot more projects. Um, the other piece is that like, a, you know, Thomas Capriotti, again, that's another front roller that comes from a good program, though, so, you know, Penn State. Um, Justin runs a great program there. Um, that's a guy that, look, if you're in a pinch, I think could step up and be able to compete. Um, the reality is, though, kind of like a quarterback in football, right? We, you want to give him a bit of time to mature and, and physically mature to make an impact. Absolutely. And we have newly minted Houston Sabercat, Tanashi. How are you doing, buddy? 
I'm all right, man. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Congratulations on being picked by uh, Houston. Tell me, I mean, you're excited, right? This is a big deal. It's, it's it doesn't feel real yet. It's it's one of those things where I'm just standing here, like hoping I wake up tomorrow morning and it's an actual thing. And you have to be excited going to a team that's going to be directed by the likes of Heideki Meyer, um, you know, with that forward mentality with their picks. Um, right, so you're a big unit. Um, what do you what are you looking to what kind of skills do you think you're going to be able to make uh, and contribute to next season in 2022? Uh, I think it's pretty obvious. You know, the formula that's worked for me is being physical and being powerful not only with run-ups, but very short, in very short spaces. However, one thing I really didn't get to showcase that I really have in my bag is the uh, ability to play the ball and have, uh, have, have the ability to put people in space with my ball-playing skills. And we so all have critical sorry. Well, that was one of the things the showcase they didn't get to do because they did the scrum work kind of tight and, you know, they put the ball in and that was kind of it. And I could, I could see Tanache was looking to pick it up and go. And that just really wasn't something that was out there, but you know, it's on your tape. So it's one of those things where I'm sure Houston um, was, was going crazy looking at their, at your tape. Taylor Howden uh, was at the rugby showcase. Uh, me and him actually were talking about you a little bit. Um, he, he compared you to, to a Hanko uh, when you have the ball in space, not only can you hit contact, but you can see big enough space where you could slip through and, and avoid contact to get a clean breakthrough. Something Taylor Howden was, was, Tell me about that he liked when he saw your tape. Almost oh, definitely. I, th I think in the tape, you get this. Nope. We lost Tanache's audio. <laughs> so. But yeah, it's 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 you know it's one of those things where we're we're happy to see you. We're happy you went to the showcase to showcase your skills to at least six of the teams. And one of the teams was there. Not only you know got to interview you, but got to see you live. Got to review your tape, and it's it's a good thing. I think the showcase is is moving on. And Tanache, thank you so much for coming on, man, and congratulations. So I missed that last part. It broke up a little bit. <laughs> It's okay. I was just saying congratulations. Um, I was so glad that you got to meet you over at the um, at the rugby showcase. You got to showcase your skills in front of the team that eventually picked you. I think it proves that this is the way going forward for the MLR to have these combines, to have these interviews, and then this is how the draft is going to go from, from now on. And I totally agree. I think I mentioned it in my interview when I was at the showcase that it's a great opportunity to get out there to show your skills live you know it's one thing to see it on film it's another thing to see it in person and it's just it's also a good it's a good opportunity for the guys who feel like they don't have the film the quality of film to get out there show their personalities to the coaches and the people involved and i really enjoyed it i think this should be something big next year i'm i'm willing myself to hop out and be there as well Awesome. We'll hook you back up with Mikey Brown. Maybe we can get you a paying gig uh, through High Performance Management Group. Tanache, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it, and I'm sure we'll get you on the rugby rant uh, right before the season. We love to interview our players, man. Congratulations. Congratulations, Tanache. It's great to see another LU product get their opportunity, my friend. Thank you, guys. Cheers, man. Hold on, mate. So real quick, uh, we got some picks. So we have AGs coming in with the 20 pick of the draft. Asa Carter out of Arkansas State. Locke again. Uh, you know, can't, I'm going to say it again for the 50,000th time. Can't coach height. Um, then the next pick. 
is the 21st pick for the Free Jacks. And Anthony Adamchek from Penn State, another Penn State product going in the draft. Tight head prop again. You know what you're getting with sometimes with these props at a new town right by where uh, the big guy lives. Nola coming in with a 22nd pick, and let's see where uh, Nola Gold goes, although we know J.D. already knows what, what's happening here. <laughs> Christian Alvarez, Penn State. I wonder why he kind of winked a little bit at the last pick when I said a Penn State product and a scrum half. Um, hometown California, but, you know, again, out of that Penn State uh, program, JD, uh, give us give us a little some little tidbits here. What can you tell us? Yeah, again, look, we, you're looking at pedigree, and and I think that the environments in which these players are coming from do play, you know, a, a bit of a factor in terms of the consideration. I think that you know Fitzy's logic here, with especially the the picks, is is kind of twofold, right? Is is always around who's the who's the best players available for us, and then you know the other piece is do they actually address a need and and I think that if you look at the depth um, in which Nola had to kind of uh, search down for players uh, it was awesome to see players kind of step up and do you know player attrition is real um, 16 games will do that so uh, you're seeing a, a bit of a variety here in some selections and and again and, you know defaulting to good pedigree programs um, you know like coach Hunley has, has put together there and and using um, you know using Penn State as an example, um, it's pretty easy to kind of default to there. So um, expect to see that, especially in these later rounds, I believe that, you know, teams will do that um, unless there's a physical kind of uh, physical athlete, if you would, um, potentially from a, um, you know, a smaller program. Now, he's a tight head prop. I mean, they always say that, you know, loose heads are a little easier to develop going into a higher level game, just a little, uh, a little easier uh, and I never played prop, so I can't speak firsthand to that. But it's a little easier to adjust a loose head than it is a tight head. Um, what kind of what for, JD? What is the difference between for those who don't know um, between playing loose and tight head? Yeah, I get it. I mean, the, I, if you asked me that five years ago, it'd be a different you know story to to how it is now. I think that the way in which the the scrum is actually being refereed is changing the the body types, if you would, um, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of a tight end prop. I mean, um, let, let's think about the tight end props of, of 10 years ago. Um, some mm -hmm. of them would be, you know, out of puff after, you know, 10 minutes of the kind of the, the current game. So um, I think there you're starting to see the gap close a little bit um, in terms of the loose head and tight end, but they are very, very specific. And, and obviously, um, you know, tight end, the bigger preference there is that, overall scrummaging ability and what also, you know, what else they can bring. Generally speaking, a more of a yeah, potentially physical um, might be a defensive player. And then your loose head is again, scrummaging ability, but can ball carry and, and give a bit more of, you know, look at like yeah. a, a, a Gus McClellan type player. So we're sorry to cut you off. We're coming up in the next picks, Dallas Jackals, 23rd pick in the draft. And they got it through a trade. From Rooney, um, I believe it was for cap consideration. Uh, Alejandro Torres, uh, Thomas Moore University, fly half, uh, Argentinian. Look at that. What I tell you guys, I knew this guy was was a, a I don't know if a hidden gem, but certainly a gem. I think he's a guy that can easily will easily develop into a a quality MLR back. It may not be immediate, um, but I I I what I noticed. To me, when I watched the game film, I immediately started watching and I saw I, I saw like 
Well, there's he's a difference maker. He knows how to put people into space. Some of the game films show the complexity of the of the lines that they were running and the complexity of the. Um, hey, Rob, let me cut you because I'm doing them in threes here, and I want to get them out here. So just okay. give me a. And then you can go right back to your love affair with Alejandro Torres. Uh, he was all picking the 24th pick in the draft. And fans were on TRN now, so international fans should have coverage. Connor Burns, Lindenwood, fullback. I, I got to speak to another guy. I believe uh, he's an he's an English guy uh, out of Reading uh, when I was talking to him. Um, but, you know, great pick. Um, I, we'll talk about him real quick in a little bit. Uh, Rugby ATL with the 25th pick, selecting. Colson Warner, I mean Lindenwood going, you know, first two first two uh, uh, rounds, fly half out of Lindenwood. I, I know Rob's, you know, is loving it. So so go back to your uh, Alejandro Torres talk. Well, yeah, I, you know, I, what I was saying is, I, I really think like he ran, he ran the back line uh, with some complexity. Uh, there were a lot of different lines being run. There was a lot of timing plays, and what I noticed, and this is the difference for me, was when he ran when he conducted those, they were conducted to perfection and it showed because he was putting guys into space successfully. So that's what I noticed immediately. And I think that's a, that's an entirely transferable skill when he gets to the MLR with the right coaching, with the right, um, you know, uh, group of players beside him and with the right toolage of a guy in front of him at the fly up position, or even a 12, I think he can easily adjust to um, the game. So, um, it's good to see him, and I, I think people will be impressed for those who don't know him. You know, and I wonder, um, you know, uh, he wasn't looked at in Slar. I'm kind of surprised. Um, you know, I, I, you would see think that some of these Argentinians and, and these international players, especially from South America, would be, you know, big hits down there in Slar. But I wonder if COVID, you know, I know COVID had – they had competition issues down in COVID. So maybe some of these internationals are now looking up to say, okay, what's the next best thing? MLR had uh, 99-0, George uh, Killebrew said, right? So we, we essentially beat COVID in 2021. Uh, so hopefully we could do that in 2022. So I wonder if that's in the mindset of some of these internationals. And maybe you'll see some free agent signings. Um, not just young guys, but some of these older guys who didn't have the the competition that they thought they were going to have in Slar. Um, but that's again, that's just me talking about BS. And so we're coming with uh, picks 26, 27, and 28. And then I think we're going to go and uh, go back to some of our MLR draft interviews. So Giltinis. James O'Neill, University of Victoria. Look at that. Our first Canadian selected by an American team. Uh, we were just talking about that. So uh, we got two full rounds of the draft gone, fellas. And real quick, we're going to take a little break, uh, and we're going to see what uh, Andrew Guerra and Bronson tell us have to say about their experiences with the draft last year. We'll, we'll be right back. What I'll do over differently from last year's draft, um, I would – probably get affiliated with an agent or just get an agency. Uh, last year I was lucky enough to have uh, you know my university coach uh, Sean Duffy you know he was a great help for me um, you know he spoke to a lot of um, head coaches he had personal relationships with um, you know he helped me out with my film immensely you know he did a, he did amazing things he definitely helped me you know and put a, a great foot in the door for me. Um, you know, but in today's day and age, there's a couple of agencies already, you know, established um, in the rugby community. Um, one that is D2S, that's the one I'm affiliated with, um, you know, and they're just really good at, 
you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, if you need to get somewhere, like get you from the door, um, you know, the guys in the agency just know, um, you know, all the head coaches, they know the management staff, you know, that that's one benefit. And there's also a couple benefits, you know, helping with endorsements, all that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, gearing up for the draft, getting kind of, um, you know, in that mindset, they'll definitely know the right people to speak to um, that can help you out with that. So um, I think if I had to do something differently, I would have definitely tried to sign with uh, D2S you know, earlier. Well, we're back, uh, and I think uh, JD has a little bit to talk about with uh, James O'Neill being signed to LA. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting, right? So, like, uh, I mean, he's born in the UK. You know, obviously, um, is is a Canadian citizen now, but um, uh, another UVic guy. Um, I think, look, it's 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 definitely a, a break in the mold, if you would, that we thought, or definitely I thought that uh, we would be. You know, kind of exclusively seeing American players, you know, being drafted by American sides. So, you know, fair play to the Guiltinis for actually taking an opportunity on a on a Canadian player. Um, I think just you know, looking at you know his his video and and um, again looking at positionally what he does bring to the table. So as a as an open side and and he has actual genuine um, fetching or poaching abilities um, and and doubles as a hooker. I think that. Again, we're starting to see late rounds. We're starting to see players that can bring flexibility or versatility. Um, and, you know, I think that definitely if you look at Guerra as an example, that was kind of tabbed as a hooker, um, you know, we're, we're going very physical in the back row and especially the league in mm-hmm. which we're playing in. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not surprised um, by him actually being selected. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was a bit of a shock that, that LA made the selection. So, again, fair play to them for it. And shout out to our buddy Ty, who's stuck. Uh, he's going to Rugby Town Sevens. Uh, he's the PA, PA announcer at Rugby Town. So if you're going to Rugby Town Sevens, go say hi to Ty for us this weekend. Unfortunately, he's grounded. Couldn't be with us. We miss you too, Ty. So speaking of uh, the later rounds, let's get with the first pick of the third round, Dallas Jackals selecting 27th pick. Calvin Gentry, University of Memphis, outside center. Um, this is a big pickup. Yeah, I like it. Um, Say it again, JD. Mm-hmm. I said they, they're going to have a hell of a sevens team. I tell you what, man. I mean, that's a that's a pretty dynamic. You know, you, you look at Naposky, um, you know, Calvin Gentry now too. I mean, there's some, there's some really you know the quality, you know, exciting outside backs. I mean, again, we talk about indications around, you know styles of play or patterns of play definitely um you know it's safe to say that this is a team that's not looking to potentially look for a lot of contact play to space play to space early um Mm -hmm. and you know use their speed and and you know try and really play a a genuine 15-man rugby um you know that that hopefully is pretty exciting for the for the dallas jackal fans but again um yeah i think it's an exciting pick young calvin uh, another guy that fortunate enough to coach at the u19s Yep, and we have Houston Sabercats selecting Dylan Shotwell Hooker out of Sam Houston State, local boy, um, uh, Kingwood, Texas. You know, I think, unfortunately, that knocks uh, our boy Mikey Brown out of the running for playing for Houston if they're if they're drafting somebody. You hate to see it, but uh, as we've seen now, we have so many showcase guys being picked um, 
in the draft. Maybe Mikey is is better off doing uh, running combines throughout the throughout the world. I just like I just like busting his his uh, his chops a little bit. But um, what do you think about you know a hooker uh, grabbing a spine position at this in this late stage in the game? So Dylan, Dylan actually was at the same camp that Calvin Gentry and, and played in the in the U19s for the US. So uh, another guy that I've kind of tracked and you know at Sam Houston State. Um, you know, not necessarily a, a, as well known as some of the name schools, but um, you know, Dylan is a is a very good eighty minute kind of player and and hard grafting um, you know hooker that's quite accurate too with his throws. So um, I, I'm I'm hopeful for him making the step up, and yeah, I think he's a you know kind of a, a, a definitely a late round gem. And uh, Ethan Scott going uh, in the 29th pick to Seattle scrum half. Seattle seems to be rebuilding. Um, again, I think a, another, in my opinion, another team that had top-down issues this this season and it showed on the field. I mean, let's be honest, the AGs were in this position, you know, in 2019 and 2020, and they dug themselves out of that hole. And I see Houston, and I see Seattle taking these steps, riding the ship, and I think drafting guys like a young scrum half at a University of Memphis, Ethan Scott, isn't the type of guy you could take a chance on. Obviously, you can go do, um, you know, be on there. This is a guy I feel you, he he's on the club. He's like. Um, He's like a, a Connor Buckley style where he might not be getting the start, but he'll definitely be getting some playing times, especially in blowouts, especially in, mat- in games and matches where maybe you're playing the matchup on the Eastern Western Conference, be- uh, d- depending on the points. We've seen that happen before. Um, so, you know, I think I think this is a good pick for Seattle, and I think Seattle's had a solid draft, um, and, and we're going to see what they do in free agency to shore some up some of their players up on the field. Hey, J.D., and I want to go back and retread for a moment. <laughs> And I'm going to use a little trick here. I'm going to go to the run, pass, or kick uh, <laughs> variety because I don't want to put you or paint you into a corner, but I think there's some value to be had here. You talked a little bit about Dallas having a great sevens team. Um, is there some is there some subtlety in, in what you're trying to say? Should people read between the lines here uh, about um, what kind of, you know, what kind of team they have planned? No, 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 absolutely not. I, I think just, just – uh... Again, that's the, the sevens coach and me as well that's looking saying actually knowing these kids that they would be a handy bit of bit of jest. But I you know, I, I alluded to it before though, you do, I mean, the indications in which players that you select definitely indicate the way in which you see the game or you definitely want to play the game. Um, and look, there's you know, as you can see with the Giltinis versus rugby ATR, it can be played a lot of different ways to be successful. Um, uh, again, I just see a, a very, you know, free and open kind of style of play that's going to be, you know, a lot of continuity and a lot of possession-based rugby um, that, you know, is exciting to watch. And to, to jump in there, you know, we have seen sevens guys be successful in the MLR, but we have also seen sevens guys, you know, not really gain traction. I don't want to throw guys' names out there, but I have a few guys in mind. Rob knows the number one person I'm talking about uh, just because we talk about him so often. But, you know, I, I feel like it's it's hit or miss, and I think some guys can deal with the physicality. Some guys can't, and I think that's where you, you kind of have that that line where you see the success. If somebody's going to, you know, it's not, it's hard to say Paul Mullins in the open field. He's not looking to pass the ball. And not only do I have to hit him, I have to make sure I take him down. And some guys just don't have that sand because in the sevens game and they're used to that. And they, 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 it's just never transferred that way. Um, real quick. I'm going through the next couple picks. We have Nola at the 30th pick. Carmen uh, Consolino, uh, fly half at AIC. Uh, 
Well, the AIC, I'm a big, uh, you know, obviously Northeastern Nerfew guy. So uh, uh, we never played them because they were like, you know, four divisions higher than UMass Dartmouth. But, you know, I love seeing these guys go. Uh, 22, you know, he's he's a mature kid. You know, we're not talking about an 18-year-old scrum half here. So um, I think it's a good pick. It's another one where you can say, hey, um, he can be on the he can be on the squad. Uh, and again, he might not start, but he'll uh, he'll um, so, you know gain gain some traction. Was what, what was that? I was going to say. So um, I, I suppose I put I don't want to put JD in a bad position, but for fans out there that are paying attention, they've you know Nola's picked two two scrum halves, right? And we know that Nola has two quality scrum halves already. Um, so you know, I, I, just as a Nola guy, you know. I'm wondering, um, it makes me think about, well, what do they have in mind? Do they have in mind, you know, as Fitzy talked about, having that versatility? They see one of these guys or both these guys in different positions on the field, um, you know, displaying their personnel, uh, their versatility, excuse me. Or do we see, you know, a little bit of forward thinking about what that roster may look like in the in the uh, 2022 season? And um, it looks like we have another LU product joining us. Imagine that. Congratulations, uh, Kale, um, uh, on being selected in the MLR draft in, in 2021. Um, how does it feel? Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it feels amazing. I mean, it's a, it's a dream come true. Uh, it's been something that I, I wanted to be a professional rugby player since I was about four years old. Um, and this is the, the uh, step in the right direction. And I, I couldn't be more excited. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm over the moon. It, it's It's amazing. Absolutely. And and the Free Jacks selected, uh, selected you. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm going to ask you the same question I put out there. Um, what kind of, you know, in your mind, as you th- think and reflect on your game, and we know Coach Macy emphasizes, you know, doing a lot of analysis, looking at your game, looking at a lot of game film, uh, what do you expect to bring to the Free Jacks when you step on the pitch, you know, during that first day of, of camp? Um, I think I... We lost you there for a moment, Kale. Ball and come back on. There you go. We're good now. Go ahead. Hi. Uh, sorry, the Free Jacks are actually calling me right now. Is it all right if I pick up this phone call? Yeah, go. We'll, we'll yeah, we'll come back. Thank you. See you in a bit. Love that these guys are getting the call real quick. Uh, Dominic Iocavino uh, going to San Diego. Um, fullback. I know he has a big boot, but I also know that Dominic likes, um, you know, I, I was talking to, uh, who the hell was I talking to? Um, I forgot I was talking to, and they were talking about Dominic and his, uh, penchant for, um, coming and counterattacking because he likes to hit guys in the open field. Um, a la Mikey Teo, a la Ben Foden this year who turned it on and started doing that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see big bruisers and then uh, Old Glory coming in with the 32nd pick in the collegiate draft with – hold on one second. It's going – Lebby, Koi Larby from Penn State, uh, another outside center. All these outside centers are going. People are taking flyers now. Um, again, another good guy from the Penn State program. Can't beat that. Hey, and, and J.D., talk about uh, Kobe um, – you brought his name up when we talked a little bit um, a couple days ago. Um, where does the team see his value as a player? Yeah, I, I think um, I, uh, guys, I'm going to go back to it again, right? And I, I hate to beat a drum here, but look, I think that you know, that especially the later round picks. I mean, I think we're picking on 
you know, potential. And, and the other piece of it is that, again, that versatility. So, you know, can we bring in a square peg and, and make it round or, you know, turn it into a triangle? So really it's just, it's essentially affording them the opportunity to, to get in, into the building and then really finding, you know, to the, to the selection, you know, Carmen before is, is where do we actually fit in? And I think that, you know, we, we've tried to go away from potentially just thinking that, a you know, a guy coming in must play position X because uh, the reality is in, in the, you know, if we look at the high school game, normally your best player is playing fly half, um, yeah. you know, yeah, they can, absolutely. They can run and carry fly half on number eight. Right. So then we're not developing potentially genuine, you know, game managing fly halves at, at say high school level. So um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, with these late round selections, that's what you're seeing is, is guys that look, let's come in, let's see where they fit. I think that's the difference between those kind of definitive first round selections is, this is how we see this player. This is how we want to utilize this player. Whereas those late round ones is, look, this is where we believe they can add value. Um, let's see what they can do with the opportunity inside back, outside back, you know, and, and see where it goes. And we have another uh, drafted player here. And we got Colson Warner. Again, an LU product. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I've teared up about three or four times at least up to this point. <laughs> Because, um, you know, everybody who follows the rugby rant knows I love my LU boys. Congratulations, Colson. Um, how are you feeling right now? Um, you know, talk us, walk us through the emotions as you heard your name being read. Uh, well, um, I'll say I'm super excited, uh, a little nervous. Um, just had the – honestly, I had a little bit of a game of adrenaline just going through my uh, – nervous system there and uh as soon as my name got called it was uh, a big relief to hear uh, someone who's giving me a shot and uh looking forward to being in the league that's awesome so I, you know i'm i'm asking some of the same questions of of other fellows as they come on i posted the kale a little bit we hope to bring him on as well um wh what do you you know talk a little bit what do you what do you expect to bring um to the team when you step on that, that pitch for the first time and start uh, preseason training? Um, I, I expect to bring some, uh, some heart and tenacity to the team. Uh, yeah, I am a little bit younger than some of the other players on the, on the team, but you know, that's, uh, that's not going to stop me from, you know, bringing some intensity to the practices and, uh, you know, making sure that everybody's going to, fight for that spot you know and if i if i get the spot then uh fight to keep it awesome and that's the mentality you got to have right you got to just you got to want it worse than everybody else and you got to keep uh working and driving i'm going to ask this question to both of you guys because obviously you're both lu products um you know lu had a great seven season obviously they have a history of, of great sevens they have a history of great 15s um talk about one thing that you will bring from your LU experience and carry over into your experience and, and you playing your trade as a, as a player in the MLR. I'm going to go to Kale and then I'll go to Colton uh, on that question. Um, the one thing I'm going to bring from LU, I think we had such a professional setup um, at LU and the boys all hold each other like very much accountable for like stuff. Um, we have such a good team environment there. And uh, if anything, I would like to kind of like bring what I've learned here from LU about being like a good teammate and, you know, that it's all about the team and everything into the Free Jacks. Um, and, yeah, I think that that would be what I would take, yeah. 
Colson, now, uh, unfortunately, uh, Kale picked one that you might have picked, so you got to yeah, go. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks, thanks for that, Kale. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations, yeah. by the way, Colson. Yeah, you as well, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I would I would bring uh, I, I would kind of piggyback off of that, just account accountability and um, just being there as a team and working hard. I know uh, Atlanta works really hard, and they uh, came out sec uh, second to you know on top there, and they have a pretty good program over there to begin with. But you know, it's something that has always stuck with me going from team to team is making sure that there's people there that actually care about, you know, the game and the team and that they actually want to be there. You know, what's interesting as you, as you talk about the free jacks, as you talk about Atlanta, that for me, there's a common thread. And I know JD is pretty sensitive to this because in my talks with JD, he considers himself an American coach, even though he hails by birth from Australia, but the two threads there are, you know, a CEO of the free jacks, uh, of course, Alex Magleby, and of course, a CEO and head coach, uh, uh, down there in Atlanta and Scott Lawrence, um, you know, uh, um, how excited are, are both you guys to be applying your trade and, and really contributing to the growth of American rugby here in the United States? And I'll, I'll go Colson and I'll give Kale the second, the second answer here. Um, I'm actually really excited. Uh, being from Pocatello, Idaho, the, the rugby, you know, scene down there is not huge. And um, it's, it's being it's really excited to be one of the first ones to make it out of there and make it to the professional level um, or even to the collegiate level um, that it's it's bringing something to kids back there that's saying, hey, you can do it now. It's possible. Um, you know, it's a sport that's growing, especially in America. It's a very big sport. Um, and so it's just another thing that can promote rugby and say, even the small towns can have people come out. And that's awesome. You're really talking about the pathway. Uh, Kel, how about yourself? Um, you know, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, this idea of, you know, really gr being part of the growth of, of rugby in America. Oh, for sure. I, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of the uh, growth of rugby in um, America. Like, I mean, even from coming in to Lindenwood last year, I've only had two years at Lindenwood and last year being the first year, um, of the draft and stuff like that. It's just such an honor to be part of the second ever um, MLR draft and the second ever draft in the whole of rugby. Um, I think that uh, draft and the way that the MLR have done it with the draft is slightly different to how most other professional rugby leagues um, run. But when you take it back to the growth of rugby in USA, I think it helps massively because it attracts the attention that uh, NFL and the MLB and the NBA all get with their drafts and stuff like that. And I think it's amazing. I'm, I'm honored, honored to have been a part of it and uh, can't wait to see the, um, the game grow uh, even more out here. Well, I want to personally, uh, and the Rugby Rant wants to thank you both for joining us tonight. It's a tremendous honor. Um, it, it just you know, makes me well up inside to know that um, we've got two Americans that are going to continue to apply their trade. And, and Kale, you hail from Hawaii. Um, Colson, I, I think you're from Idaho, um, right? So uh, we do have some American boys that are going to continue to grow this sport, provide that shining light or example of a pathway for uh, the next generation of, of youth to come along. I want to thank you guys for joining us. We want to wish you good luck in that next phase. 
And um, I want to extend an invitation. Um, sometime I'll, I'll be hitting you guys up just to see how your development's going and how your experiences are going at your respective teams. Thank you so much for joining me. Good luck, gentlemen. And uh, celebrate with your family and style. Thank you for having me. Hold on, boys. Thank you, guys. And I'm back, TV Magic people. So let's real quick recap. The, the live draft coverage is now is now over. Let me recap real quick um, the last couple picks. So um, AGs with a 33rd selection pick, Brandon Asbel, Davenport, uh, Hooker, again, another showcase guy. Um, Zachary Bastris uh, selected by the Free Jacks, uh, University of uh, Northern Colorado a Center. Samuel Mace, University of Ottawa, Hooker going to Toronto. Peter Reyes, Cutstown Prop, Univers uh, University Prop, Going to Rooney, congrats to the newest rooster. Um, Emerson Pryor, uh, Trent University prop going to San Diego, um, excuse me, Utah. Sean Atkins, Western uh, Michigan University Center going to ATL. And the last pick of the draft, Gerald Lowe, uh, Cutstown flanker going to the Giltinis. Um, man, it's, uh, it was, it's, it's, it's crazy. This draft craziness, everybody. Draft craziness. I, I want to uh, bring in JD here real quick because we've seen, Two two boys picked up from, of course, Joey, and then um, who was the last name you mentioned there? If it came from Western Michigan, um, oh, gosh. hold on, <laughs> give me a second. Sean Atkins, um, yeah, Sean Atkins. Thank you, JD. You know, it, when we think about you know powerhouse programs, uh, and and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but Western Michigan, it, you know, isn't the first to roll off your tongue, right? LU, Life, um, St. Mary's, Cal. These are the teams that you think of, um, perhaps even in Central Washington. Um, but here we have two players in this draft coming out of um, uh, Western Michigan. Um, I can't help but thinking, JD, and you were down there. I got to imagine at the at the Sevens National Championship. How much did that event help elevate the the visibility of these two guys that were drafted from Western Michigan, a, an up and coming program? Yeah, it's a question I, I kind of wish I'd asked. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was again, we, we talk about opportunities for players and, and what opportunities did some of these guys felt, you know, maximized or would definitely pique the interest of, of these MLR programs, you know, in them. Um, you know, anecdotally speaking, you know, the, the CRCs this year actually did provide that. Um, again, limited opportunities this year to see players. I know Joey Backy was one that, you know, really come out of left field, you know, after a strong performance playing for, you know, West Michigan there. But I mean, look, it's a credit to, to what Doc Allen's done, you know, with the program. And, and um, you know, it shows you that these state schools, you know, that with a little bit of alumni funding and, and getting the right kids, um, you know, can have a lot of success and, and um, you know, don't need to be a varsity program to be successful. So, you know, it, it's pretty awesome to see. I just want to speak to some of the trade details. I think we talked about it early on, um, you know, Rooney getting that sixth pick from um, OGs and, um, and that was uh, DeMonte Noble going to OGs, Rooney getting the sixth pick. Um, and then uh, with the other trades, Dallas getting New York's 10 and 23rd spot, which was uh, for an international um, spot. Uh, let's see. Um, it's an international spot, and Dallas, uh, New York sent some money, some cap room to Dallas. Uh, Utah and Nola swapping for uh, nines and elevens. Um, Utah gave 
some cap space to Nola for that to, for that pushback. Um, Toronto swap getting uh, 35 and Nola coming up. Uh, Toronto got some cap space from Nola. Um, I, I I'm not including amounts. Uh, I don't think that's that's right. But you know, cap space and foreign player spots are tradable assets. People get used to it. Um, so many people were complaining about the Giltinis and the L- A- ATL lineups. Um, you know, and and complain about it at the beginning of the season and, and tell the commissioner you don't want those things to be tradable assets, which I find asinine. But don't complain about it at the end of the season in the championship when everybody's been going by the same set of rules, in my opinion. Um, but just want to give you guys some details on those trades. Now that the draft is over, we can kind of open up. Uh, they were embargoed a little bit by the MLR. They wanted you guys to have a great draft experience and didn't want the big guy and the hammer to ruin it. Um, so Hammer and, and JD, if you can wrap up a little bit, um, give us a little recap. I'll dovetail off uh, JD. He's he's uh, he's the resident expert. That's why we brought him in. Uh, I think overall, um, you know, the the ones that have stood out, you know, and I and I think we we talk about opportunities. And for anyone watching, you know, aspiring players, um, look, I think it's evident that that the GMs and the coaches around the league have looked at the at the limited opportunities and have made decisions based off a little bit of homework and and. Well, you know, a lot of homework, but but limited experiences and, and limited, um, you know, actual face time with these kids. So, um, you know, I guess, you know, wrapping up and, and, and just thinking about obviously the, the next people kind of coming through is, you know, Joey touched on it in his comment to us is make the most of those opportunities and any of those opportunities to be in front of people. Um, if you can start to collate that footage, um, look, it, it's going to in turn you know, end up hopefully with you being drafted. And and that was something that kind of really resonated with me tonight with some of the players. If you'd told me, you know, before the showcase who these guys were going to be drafted, um, you know, I, I probably wouldn't know them. So I think that's been something that's that's been really critical. Um, again, you know, using the jackals, I think it's it's safe to say how we think and, and don't hold me to the fire on it, but how some teams are, are seemingly either reloading or potentially seeing the game being played in, in 2022. Um, and that's exciting to see for some of these teams. Um, you know, and then I think, you know, lastly, it's, it, it's great to see, though, you, you'd love to see these third-round guys, um, you know, breaking through and, and potentially getting some some first 15 minutes, you know, at the MLR or getting their caps next year, um, you know, for me. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, through all the rounds, there is quality there that, that could actually do that. So... Um, you know, really exciting and 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 pretty cool to be a part of. So, thanks for thanks for having me on too, fellas. It's been good. Ah, I mean, we appreciate it. I mean, any any guy who's willing to come on and and talk about you know their picks and talk about their mindset and and you know just in general talk about you know the way you feel the rugby plans going in North America. It's it's so nice to have a guy like you on. So, thank you so much for coming on, JD. Yeah. Uh, and and before we before we uh, wrap it up, um, I just want to just throw out a couple thoughts for fans. Um, number one, I want to remind everybody who's still watching or who might catch this Monday night, our run passer kick is going to feature Nola Gold GM Ryan Fitzgerald. We've had him on before. Uh, obviously, I have a strong connection, um, but we're going to really focus on you know the, Nola moved around a lot in the draft, right? They they did a lot of swapping of positions. Uh, they traded away or they traded some assets to get themselves up in the draft. And so we're going to go through the mindset and perhaps get some more insights. And And I got to say, um, J.D. has offered some 
quality insights tonight that's really enhanced our program. And it, and I can't thank him enough uh, for his willingness to do that, taking time out of his, uh, his personal life because I know his time is valuable. Um, for those out there who watched, uh, a couple of my takeaways, number one, um, Look, swapping of picks is going to be the future of the MLR draft. It's just going to be. And and as J.D. spoke to it, it, what I love about that and what I think that other people should just start to embrace is the fact that it – have fun with what it tells you about the philosophy that teams will take into the into the following season, right? I mean, it gives you – if we look back at L.A., right, and what they did – you know they traded a, they traded um and swapped some picks and and got involved there and um you could really see where they were going to go in terms of building a newly minted roster that at the end of the day won them the championship and i think that's the fun part so folks we just have to embrace it don't fight it it's going to be in the name of the game um and i call it bumping and rubbing taking it from nascar cuz that's what it's really all about but but i love the philosophy there um and finally guys uh folks that are watching um, have fun. Make note of these guys at the end of the day and take stock in who really gets an opportunity to show their wares uh, next season. But don't forget about the class of 2020, right? How many of these guys will begin to start to get themselves onto a roster and make a name for themselves to add on with the likes of Guerra and Mooneyham and Cook uh, and, and others like them? Um, you know, Aaron uh, Matthews out in Seattle, what they've already done, because I think you're going to see more and more of those guys step into the limelight and make a name for themselves and develop. They're only sophomores, so we can expect um, to see some of those guys step in. And, you know, I just want to shout out some of the people who've helped us with this draft. Uh, obviously, J.D. Stevenson, number one, for coming on and taking two and a half hours of his valuable time to come on here and talk with us. Um, I want to give a shout out to Doug's wife, too, by the way. <laughs> and and Jenny's uh, lovely wife. I want to give a shout out to Doug Coyle. Um, check out uh, DJ Coyle Rugby. Um, you know he posts his articles in the Fan Zone. We love Doug. Uh, he spits facts. Guys like Doug are what's keeping the MLR alive in print media, and that's what we need. Brian Ray, American Rugby News, same thing. Um, those guys do great articles. They break down great things. So I just want to give them shout outs and uh, give shout outs to all those secret people, Rob, right? Those sources we have that gave us little insight things. Uh, those people we were, we're not going to name, even yeah. though one of them is coming on on Monday for the RPK. Yeah. Um, they're, they're like Voldemort, man. They, they, they shall not be named, but we're going to, we're going to thank them. Um, and uh, real quick, before we go away, um, folks, if you haven't noticed, the insights that, that JD has given uh, gives you an idea of just the quality of, uh, of rugby mind that's out there. Um, we hope someday, JD, that you find your way um, into the MLR mix. Uh, we know you've been at the USA level, um, but um, hopefully you find yourself, um, you know, into a coaching role at, at some point in time. It would be lovely to see you there because I know you have the mind for it. You certainly have the skill set. Thanks, Hammer. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, uh, Hammer, Hammer loves his Nola guys. Uh, there's, there's nothing to, there's, no, there's nothing that's going to get in the way of Hammer. Uh, you know, just totally telling the Nola guys how he feels that he loves you. You know, he'll probably help you. Oh, you and Nola. So that's, that's yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and people can you know, home with the little bit I talk about Rooney. <laughs> right. And I'm always, you know, and as a result, I'm always looking to, you know, get a little free swag back. But you know, that that's a, time, a story for another day. <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the mouth, mate. It's in the mouth. <laughs> <Right. laughs> 
And Rugby Rant fans, thank you so much for following us for the past almost two and a half hours. We know these live draft shows go long, but we want to bring you some insight. We want to bring you some thoughts from not only guys like JD, but some of the players who had just drafted and have that exciting feeling and got to meet the commissioner and give him a hug. Um, and we got through three rounds this season. It was great. I hope to expand to four rounds next season. And who knows, maybe we'll have, you know, 48 or whatever, you know, however many teams we're going to have, you know, maybe Glendale comes back. Maybe we have a new Midwest team who no friggin' knows, but that's the excitement that the MLR brings. I'm Scott, the big guy Ferrara. That's Rob, the hammer Hammerschmidt for our friend, Ty, our co-host who couldn't be here because he's going to rugby town sevens. Say hello to him. If you see him, um, thank you guys so much for watching again, JD Stevenson. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Rugby rat fans. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.